This Fremen religious adaptation, then, is the source of what we now recognize as the pillars of the universe, whose Quizara Tafid are among us all with signs and proofs and prophecy. They bring us the Arakeen mystical fusion whose profound beauty is typified by the stirring music built on the old forms, but stamped with the new awakening. Who has not heard and been deeply moved by the old man's hymn? I drove my feet through a desert whose mirage fluttered like a host, voracious for glory, greedy for danger. I roamed the horizons of Al-Kulab, watching time-level mountains in its search and hunger for me. And I saw the sparrow swiftly approach, bolder than the onrushing wolf. They spread in the tree of my youth. I heard the flock in my branches and was caught on their beaks and claws. From Arrakis Awakening by the Princess Irulan. Welcome to Spice World, an inebriated exploration of Frank Herbert's Dune. My name is Derek. And my name is Mike. With each chapter, we open up a new bottle of wine and have a bit of a buzzed book club, Derek. Uh, and it's been such a great buzz book club, Mike. I know. And I got a great bottle of wine to go to this one. Tell me. So, keeping up with our white wine, found another one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was pleasantly deceived by this, where I thought it was a uh, La Perriere as the kind of wine. No. Just a Sauvignon Blanc. It got me, though. That's what it says on the front. Uh, so this is a, I believe the company is Sanseré. I might be wrong. I'm, uh, I got a bad tongue for French, uh, and that's what this is grasping for. <laughs> oh, no. But so nonetheless, we got a Sauvignon Blanc. It's out of the uh, Lorry Valley in France. Okay. I'm looking at you for any confirmation. You need to at least encourage my bad sure, pronunciation. Yeah. Oh, good, yeah. good job, Derek. I'm a, I'm a natural. <laughs> it's the Kevin Canada so close. <laughs> now I'm getting better with it, Mike. Uh, but we've got a white wine, and this one, it tastes so good. What's the name of it? La, La Perrier? You son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's a... Uh, well, yeah, the type of... I don't know, actually, what the La Perrier is for. Uh, we're just going to go with it's uh, something on block. Okay. I'm Go pretty on. sure it's the name of that specific wine. I just, uh, I don't speak any French. Neither do I. You know what? Uh, I get, the best, Google you know what the best place this? to find it is well, if you head on down to the uh, Caladan Wine Cellar. We'll, oh. have, we'll have a link set up for it and everything. <laughs> and that will really be more straightforward than any explanation <laughs> we can further give. What I can tell you about that, Mike, oh. is the taste. It does taste really fantastic. For like, I've been on the edge right? white wines. This one does it for me. I think this is the best one yet. Mm. Uh, I like definitely. It's wiping better than away. irony. I was gonna say yeah, it's wiping away my memory of irony, or at least replacing it. It's um, crisp. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's very crisp, and then like, there's no like. I don't really like that tanginess in the front, or like sometimes the dry in the back of the flavor profile. Right. And this one is just sort of like. A uh, very crisp start and then a burst of flavor mm-hmm. and all like all the fruits, all the flowers. I even taste like um, like a, a more, I'm, I'm going to say mineral because that's kind of what it says on the back of the bottle there. But like, I mean, uh, you know, on the tail, I think you like, definitely get like minerals. Yeah. I don't want to say metallic taste, but there's something there that I can't quite put I think my, that's the uh, acidity. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, yeah, I, I totally agree with you on this. Mm. Wow, I really love it. A plus for me. I uh, I do traditionally like drier white wines, but mm-hmm. um. 
This, this one's is... so aromatic. Like we, uh, as soon as you poured a glass, I could smell it, and it was it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Like sitting it right below my nose here, I could smell. It. I'm like going mm-hmm. through my notes. I'm just like, I'm gonna take another sip real quick. Uh, uh, I'll put it a little further away so we can keep going. Uh, Derek, today yeah. is a day what? we lost a very important man. We did. We lost our kinds. We just learned his name. <laughs> it took us like 10 chapters to learn his name. Even that, I think this is the first chapter where he tells us it's his name. <laughs> up until now, we, we still were... I guess, you're true. I guess we just assumed up until now. We were now. putting all the pieces, like everything pointed at him, and we were 90% sure. Now we get it started off with, I am Liet Kynes, which is like, thank God, somebody had to say it. But... Um, before we go too far down in okay. Morning Kinds and uh, even touching the sand. Okay. Let's take a look at what Irulan wrote for us. An extremely long introduction. Oh, yeah, yeah. Complain. Complain <laughs> about that, Mike. Complain to me. Open your heart. <laughs> What's that like, reading a long introduction? <laughs> uh, but yeah. However, this one, I think more so than like uh, like last time uh, with the one that I'd read, we were kind of at a loss of like, what is this other than uh, exposition and more background info on like character, like Irulan's house life, essentially. Right, right, right. Uh, and some intrigue in the royal palace. This one, I this think- is big. Yeah. There's a lot of clues here. There's a lot of clues. Yeah, right? Because like, it does ultimately tell you what happens after all the events of this right. book. To some extent, like this religion gets set up. But I think we got to hold it and knowing a few things, like you know what Paul's Fremen name's going to be. Because mm-hmm. I've told you that. So I think right. those kind of things, let's put a little, uh, adjust our filter over the rest of the book from mm-hmm. now on. So starting in the way this goes down to uh, Fremen religious adaptation. I assume that stood out to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, what are you reading into that? So... Fremen religious adaptation. Yeah, the source of what we now recognize as the pillars of the universe. So is it just the Fremen's way of looking at a certain religion? Or are we saying that what we currently see now is based off of the Fremen's beliefs? Uh, say Wait, say that again. Okay, so... Oh, God, what the fuck did I just say? Oh, cool. I wasn't the only one. <laughs> uh, something about how what is happening now is mm. a response to the Fremen? Is that we Like, okay, so... I it, didn't really follow. I'm sorry. It says Fremen religious adaptation then is the source of what we now recognize as the pillars of the universe, which I assume is like a huge thing now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I should it, I should pause you here just so I can give you a definition. Uh, the Kizara Tafui. Are priests of the Fremen religion. Ooh. Was that in the, is that in the glossary? I got some glossary chops, my man. Man. Oh, because I was going to tell you. Post-Muadib uh, is what it says. Yes. Uh, he's going to create a thing called, like I believe, the Kizara. Uh, is going to be like his uh, rizzling. But I was going to tie you back to the actual Arabic. Oh. So even let's even step outside of Dune a little bit, Mike. Let's shake it off and okay. uh, enjoy okay. the world. Uh, if you change the the writing, so he uses the Q uh, to make the qui sound. Right. If you swap that out with the K-I, um, the Arabic word is al-kiraza, A-L-K-I-R-A-Z-A. Okay. And then tafweed is the same. And that roughly translates to... Uh, evangelism delegation or to like that's just your brutal uh, google translate uh you can more adapt it closer to like those authorized to preach oh so like moadib's oh, priests okay gotcha, so, yeah just a rope back here so these are going to be the ones pushing the pillars of the universe which is i guess the religion that's moving forward or is going to be yeah created and spread uh, um whether or not it's created it's basically like adapting over whatever the religion the imperium has so like whatever this orange catholic bible great mother kind of thing is right 
it's basically because uh, we get to uh, the Arakine mystical fusion is the one I would describe. Like that is the Arakine religion being plastered over the uh, Imperium religion mm. and changing it entirely and be kind of superseding it. If like the old man's hymn is now something everyone knows. The reverse before was uh, no one on Arrakis knew like ocean words. Right. Now everyone's going to be learning desert words. That Okay. Yeah. Right? All right. <laughs> Do you think Paul just like really had a thing for you? It's like, I'll show you Orange Catholic Bible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to erase it from the yeah. universe. If uh, I mean, so you think it's Paul pushing this? I would be surprised if he didn't have something to do with it. Mm hmm. Um, especially because it's re- it's uh, they recognize it now as the pillars of the universe, and we know that his name is going to be Usul, which means base of the pillar. Correct. So I feel like it's all got to stem from him. It's sort of like what I would attribute that to. Not all of it, but I think uh, a large percentage of like the wisdom in it is probably going to be attributed to Muad'Dib in some sense. Sure. And, or at uh, least to the Messiah in their religion. And I think that he is going to be viewed as such. What did they call it again? Amati. Amati. That's kind of what I'm guessing and putting together from these clues. And I think the other bit dangling here is the fact that it's Irulan writing about the awakening. So the it occurs Arrakis in her lifetime. Awakening. Yeah. But what? We'll touch right on that. I want to get, hold, let me just get this point out of my mouth. Um, so the fact that she is able to write on that and we know she has all these conversations, writes all these books on Paul lets us know that these are all like contemporary events right. or like all in the same flow. But now, Arrakis Awakening. So we have seen that before. We've known mm-hmm. that was a book cover. You would have never known to color in that manner. No. So it's a religious awakening because at the end of this one, before we get to the hymn, is stamped with the new awakening. That's our Arrakis Awakening. Oh, my God. And I love that the profound beauty is typified by the stirring music built on the old forums. So again, like, just reinforcing that this is something that you're grafting on to an existing product, essentially, mm-hmm. right? And we're just updating it and cha- tweaking it a little bit. That's, uh, that sounds very uh, missionary protective in a sense, where they just sort of like tweak uh, ongoing traditions. I think it's... They implant things. I, I don't think you're wrong of like, that is an obvious correlation. Right, right, right. I thought more to how even the Bible said like they change things. So like... Mm-hmm. Uh, Instead of making it like Earth centric, it became like space centric. Right, right. So maybe it's, I kind of saw it as more of like a necessity of the people just to make it more uh, symbolic to them and mm-hmm. more important to them is why you would push that in. Uh, but I like, if you're also though, if you're thinking that like Paul is the one driving this cart, he would have a reason to use the missionary protectiva, you know, like right, right, a little right. like a little revenge, a little, uh, <laughs> I'll show you. I see your Kwisah Chatterak. But as we go, actually, as we go through this chapter, it seems like everybody knows the missionary protectiva playbook because I felt like Pardot was a hardcore missionary <laughs> yeah, protectiva. Right? Yeah. Um, again, go too far. Let's uh, let's hit this hymn. Is there anything else in there that you wanted to pull out? No, those those are the big ones from this one. Um, it's called the old man's hymn. Now, old man. Now, that's the term we use for worm, right? One, the old man of the desert. Old man of the desert. Yeah. Is this is this about that or is this about something else? I, I, I or think, maybe it was a different hymn called the old man's hymn and now it's been applied to the desert. Right. I think more that because uh, you get to the end of it and it's like, um, and I saw sparrows swiftly approach bolder than the onrushing wolf. They spread in the tree of my youth. Those are things that I would not attribute to Arrakis. Yeah, right. And, well, I just saying in the tree of my youth would seem like a, an old man reflecting backwards. Right, right, you right. You know, saying like it's all past. That's a good point. Uh, and the flocks are caught in its branches, with beaks and claws. The roam the horizons of Al 
Kulab. What is Al Kulab? Uh, I'm actually pretty sure it is a place, uh, Al Kulab in uh, Tajikistan. Uh, oh. Ta- Tajikistan. Okay. Uh, it's just below, uh, like Uzbekistan, above Afghanistan, right in that area. So that's like even more uh, evidence that this is probably an OC Bible hymn that has been yeah adapted. Sort of adapted. Like I, I think that is straight from whatever the source of this hymn is. All right. Uh, and then yeah, otherwise we just get a sense of time moving through it. Hmm. Um, any concept of like, I mean. Actually, I was going to say how you feel goes to the chapter, Wait. but it's like it's sort of a mourning chapter for kinds. So I feel like that very much that way is like this is him. He is the old man at this point, literally mm. the old man in the desert. I mean, yeah, he is the old man in the desert. You're right. Mm. Oh, man. I mean, like Mirage, first thing comes to mind. Yeah, it's going to be part out showing up mm-hmm. fluttered like uh, who's Mirage fluted like a host. Gracious for glory, greedy for danger. I like it. I don't think he is yeah, greedy for danger. Yeah, he didn't take, uh, he could have been safer. Yeah, he, cho- he, chose, he chose the dangerous course. Voracious for glory. He just wants a paradise Arrakis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Greedy for danger. Yeah. No, I think you could certainly apply this to Kynes in a sense. In its search and its hunger for me. I saw the sparrow swiftly approach, bolder than the onrushing wolf. Now, I wouldn't say that the, the hawks are the sparrows, but... Thopter is my friend. Thopter. Maybe Duncan Idaho and a Thopter. <laughs> <laughs> like the onrushing wolf. faster. <laughs> it comes right at you. Uh, and the, yeah, that he, and he kind of supports them all, but at the same time, they're sort of tied to him. It's like this whole flock. Because he is a leader of Fremen too. Like, yeah. Flock is his people in a way. Ah, that's really cool. But you ready to, you ready to start this journey? All right, let's dive in. We can't avoid it any much longer. I know. So this chapter, chapter 30. It opens with a wounded man crawling over a dune top. I didn't know what to think about this. Yeah, and it was like, what way? Just like who it could possibly yeah, be? Yeah, like, or... who was it? I'm like, oh. It does catch you off guard. Like, I think we just kind of got in a sense of security, being like we touch bases with our lieutenants. They're both alive. We're like, mm-hmm. okay, that's good. Paul and Jessica are making their journeys. Kinds last we know set us up for safety. Right, right. Uh, we had this little scare with some Fremen. We're waiting to see how that resolves. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, but yeah, so you have this man, and they start describing him. He has like no, the juba cloak is torn and tattered, mm-hmm. right? He's bare uh, skin to the heat through mm-hmm. the tatters. Mm-hmm. He's fashioned a turban, like the hood was ripped off the cloak. So he has a turban that's just out of strips of cloth from God knows what oh my God. that he grabbed. Which, to me, is like the ingenuity of kinds right there. Mm-hmm. He's already been wounded and battered. You drop him out there. He takes the time to at least start with like, right. Because this whole chapter, he's losing energy. He's, oh, yeah, we're yeah, on yeah. The, his final stores. So that he was able to do that is kind of impressive. Um, we get some clues like before we reveal his name, Frank like uh, exit hands it up a little bit, and uh, we get clues that he's a native to Arrakis because we have the blue within blue eyes. And then Which we let, honestly, it just, it just confused me more. I'm like, what is going on here? Who yeah. is this dude? Well, and then you, more than a native, he's a Fremen because mm-hmm. he has a steel scoot scar by his nose. Right, right. And you're like, yeah, still like, what is going on? That's here? like that's definitely like. Uh, that's that scar, I think, is indicative of any Fremen. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be, I, w- I would call it like a trope. Uh, right. Like, we're always going to use it. People always touch it and gesture to it. Mm. Characters always notice it. Yeah, it means, like, you are a deep desert Fremen. Like, you live in a CH. Mm. You know how to survive out there. Um, then we get to the section I read you uh, last week, which conveniently doesn't tell you its kinds. And again, like, you know, he stumbles, sort of reaches over the dude, and he's on that flat-facing side of it. Um but even in this bedraggled state, you can see that he has the outlines of like this nobility, this noble mm-hmm. bearing to him. 
And finally, Kynes introduces himself. Much like uh, Gurney and Thufir were both introduced to really let you know this is my chapter. I'm the, man, <laughs> yeah, I'm the protagonist. They, they have been sort of leading the way, haven't they? Like, I am Thufir Hawa. Yeah, yeah, it, it's never like Paul starts off every chapter like, I am Paul Atreides, <laughs> mother. <laughs> like, yes, no. yes, Paul, I know that. <laughs> you keep doing this. Um, but so Kynes introduces himself and his voice is super hoarse. Uh, this is a caricature of his strength that had known. Like that it really hits me where like mm. each time we saw him, he was in almost more command than the Duke in those scenes right. and stuff. Uh, total mastery of the dinner scene. And uh, he ends this introduction with, I am a steward of this land. And with that, he sort of falls sideways, goes down the, like onto the side of the slope. Uh, oh my God. Slope faces dune. And uh, we get kinds of he's semi delirious. Yeah, we're starting to realize how long he's actually been out here. Mm-hmm. But I like even with this deliriousness, he's got this rational mind running because he's telling himself like, you know, I'm delusional because he starts feeling very cold. Do you think right? in a way that's why he also like says his own name? Oh, I, Some I, I would, I would like, like to give him, the benefit of the, give him the benefit of the doubt and hope so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's feeling very cold. And he knows this is this is just his body lying to him. And he's like, I'm overheating, really. I'm having like basically heat stroke. Well, I think, yeah, I think he's going into shock. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, with blood loss, mm-hmm. whatever trauma his body has been through. And he's telling himself like, what I should do is I should dig down in the sand. I should bury myself in the cold. It's part of it. Uh, but he could smell that smell. So this is a new one for us. Mm-hmm. Semi-sweet. Esters, uh, esters of pre-spice of pre- pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Any, uh, I mean, are you even clear on what pre-spice is yet? Hey, go after finishing this chapter. Oh, dude, we're going to need to sit down for that. Um, not that's, that's fair. Not really. <laughs> that sounded like you wanted to stop the show and just have a heart to heart. Like, <laughs> yeah. I need a moment. Derek, Derek, we need to talk. <laughs> we need to talk about pre-spice. Uh, all right. Well, we'll definitely, uh, all worm theory. <laughs> full right, disclosure. Right. So, we're going we're gonna to hold off to the end here. But, uh. So uh, we, I did know that, like you know, before the spice blows come up and erupt, that like it has some sort yeah, of like you know what? pressure building aspect. I was gonna say, I did tell you about spice blows. I guess I, I never referred to it as a pre-spice mass, though, right? Mm-mm. So now you just know that this is like one phenomenon that we're kind of connecting. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and this is ultimately how spice always gets to the uh, the surface of the planet. Anytime right. there's been this, like this event is what occurs, and. Um, Kinds, like I said, he can smell it, right? That's all it takes. And he knows. Which means that's like some of the gases leaking through the sand, making their way up. Yep. Yeah, carrying with them their odors. Uh, it's basically a big pocket of CO2 building down mm-hmm. there. And I think later on he kind of describes it as like a, it's like a burnt ro- rock kind of smell uh, that comes up through. What? Really? Yeah, yeah. We'll get to, we'll get to it. There's just like, because uh, there's an intense heat down there too. Okay. With this pressure building. Okay. Uh, and it's just all that coming up. But yeah, and the semi-sweet, because it's got the cinnamon, the really rich cinnamon smell coming with it. And, uh, Kynes is a very unique person in that uh, within the whole universe, he's the only person who understands everything that's happening below him. As the planetary ecologist? Yes, as like the second generation planetary ecologist mm. at that. Uh, we get the sense Parda is going to describe it all. Kynes has done the legwork, though. The Fremen that he's taught stuff to, like, I think they understand it, but maybe not to such an intimate level that he does. Right. right. Uh, as a scientist. Yeah, as a scientist, or at least not in the sense that, like, Kynes is not mystified by it. There's right. no godlike element here. It's all just organisms and a chemical interplay that's happening. Do you think Kynes is a religious man at all? I, th- I think he's only religious for science. I think that's his religion. Okay. In much the way that, like, 
science can be a parody of religion. science of his tradition. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it relies just as much on belief in some respects, Mm -hmm. Uh, except it's something that you could, if you go through every step, replicate for yourself, you know, regardless of how much time it would take. And that is the beauty of science there. But I think that is all kinds of driving force. And the idea of this prophecy is maybe like, I mean, I guess I, I got to give him some aspect of it because he does believe that Paul story. Right, right, right. Like to some extent. So maybe I guess I got to say he's more complex than maybe what I want to give him. Like, okay. It can't just be pure science, I guess. So Kynes, though, has uh, an ecologist thought. Any comments on how hard it is to get off a track of focus after so many years on it? Where like he can't help but think about this pre-spice mask right. on like this scientific level, like what's even happening? though he's about to die in the desert, exactly. And uh, a thought spread across his mind, clear, distinct: the real wealth of a planet is in its landscape. How we take part in that basic source of civilization, agriculture. It's just like, ooh, okay, kinds. I like it. This is gonna be our characterize our whole way through as we go. Uh, we're gonna mm. constantly do delirium. Followed by rational thought, and then uh, observe the real world. I think kind of go back and forth. Uh, okay. Well, this is gonna keep going as it gets. Worse I think there's worse. only rational thought, like towards the end. Right of there. It. No. Yeah. Yeah. We. Uh, his delirium was him acknowledging at the beginning of this, where he's feeling cold, mm-hmm. and he's gonna. He's like, I should dig under, or I'm feeling cold. Then he's like, Wait. The rational thought kicks in. I'm like, You're not cold. You're going through stroke. Followed through all the way to this point, where he has this ecologist thought, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then we're gonna kind of observe the real world in a second. So any, so he can't uh, dig into cooler sand layer because of this pre pre spice pocket. It's is close to exploding. Yeah, yeah. So one, uh, it's gonna be radiating heat upward too. So I bet there is no coal below. And I think the futility of if he did dig in below, he's like, I'm just gonna blow no, up. I think there is. Uh, I think there is. So cool sound below. Because it is like, it's like a hundred meters. Right. Is what this and is I think it even at. says that at the end of the chapter, there is uh, the sweet bliss of momentary bliss of the cold sand. That uh, it w- It's not the cold sand. It's also the water. What? It, we'll explain pre spice best when I get to that. I don't think that. it said that at all. It's, I'll, I'll tell you, Mike. Don't worry. I can walk you through all this. I know, I know my all words right. inside and out. I you're bullshitting me. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I only do that at the end of a chapter, Mike. I never do that before. But trust me on this. Um... Oh, damn it. <laughs> I take it. Yeah, keep, all right, keep going. Keep sure, going. Sure. That, I don't know what that was for. <laughs> okay. So, kind of this thought, it then continues, and we sort of uh, get the background of what actually got him here. When he's mm. telling, like, the Harkonnens left kinds here to die. Uh, they're pretty much hoping a worm's going to erase the evidence, as seems to be their only tact on Arrakis. <laughs> and it doesn't work, guys. <laughs> Everybody keeps living whenever you drop them. Because even the worm isn't what kills kinds. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. You guys still fucked up. How Although, they... Yeah, good. Nafood did it. No, oh! <laughs> Nafood did it. Hey. Nafood's doing okay. We give one to when they do well. Good job, Nafood. Maybe Nafood will be my new cancer puppy. I don't know. <laughs> I hope he's high as fuck right now. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. <laughs> Oh, man. So that means he had to have approached that band of Sadokar, holding Kynes and Thufir. He somehow talked his way past the Sadokar, got his Kynes, and we've dropped Kynes off in a desert. And then, coincidentally, he's dropped Kynes on top of the only explosive part of the desert for, mm. like, miles. I think that that was by accident. It had to, yeah. I don't it, think, it was the Harkonnens have no idea. Exactly. Or <laughs> would they care, even? Both. Both. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but ultimately, just the, the lottery That's just of it. bad luck. Yeah, well, it's good luck in a way. If he would have dropped them somewhere where, like, a worm would never have gotten to him, Kynes might have made it out. 
That would have been really bad luck for Nafood. Mm. <laughs> At least Nafood still succeeds, but it's just by like happenstance. Right, right, right. Uh, but crazy. I wonder how far he's been walking now and why he didn't cover himself in the cooler sand to begin with. Uh, I get the feeling that he probably hasn't been out here too long. I guess it right? doesn't take long for the song to kill you. Yeah, yeah. On Arrakis, mm-hmm. you know it's less than a day. And if he's been torn out, I bet he had like the shit beat out of him, thrown out of a thopter before it landed or something. And maybe he's just been like kind of crawling for like an hour or something. And so maybe Nafood didn't leave him on the spice mask, I guess. Maybe he happened to fall upon it, but. Well, that's why I'm saying like, that's why, isn't it weird that he didn't think like, I need to get somewhere cooler, try and like wait it out for at least until the night. Well, that's why I think it's highly possible. Maybe, you know, maybe we we're catching up on him sooner than uh, anything else. Then. Yeah, probably. I, I think I, I see your point. That is valid of just yeah. like getting us up to this point. Why haven't you done that yet? Yeah. yeah. Uh, or if we're just viewing like stream of consciousness go through him. Uh, but like you said, I mean, he is at the very least like uh, it's going through some trauma right now. He's yeah, not, yeah. He's not got to be 100 percent. It's a rough day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just <a> little bit. <laughs> and so kinds though, he. We always got time for a good joke, and it's always at the Harkonnen expense. And he's talking about how the Harkonnens left him to die, and he just says, the Harkonnens always did find it difficult to kill Fremen. We don't die easily. And it's like, yeah, yeah. good for you, Fremen. You know, the Harkonnens are bad at education. They can't <laughs> kill Fremen. Like, everyone gets a jab into the Harkonnens, even at the darkest hour. Because um, there's always time for a bad Harkonnen joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We all got time to shit on the Harkonnens. Uh, but again, he can't stop being the psychologist and mm-hmm. he has a really cool, uh, thought. And this is one of the things I think his dad taught him. The highest function of ecology is understanding consequences. Now I've never been able to find a source for that quote outside of Dune. Really? Yeah. But that is like one of the, uh, quotes that I think a lot of people love to carry on with them. And one of the ones you kind of stick with you hmm. where it sounds like an actual rule of ecology. You know? Right, right, right. Right. Like that makes total sense to me. Just understanding consequences and how complicated that net gets. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I love that. But it wasn't it wasn't like necessarily his own like voice and thought. Mm-mm. It was like the voice of his dad that he heard. Right. It's going to be our kind of ghost character that steps in. You're right. Uh, and it says the voice shocked him because he recognized it and knew the owner of it was dead. It was the voice of his father who had been planetologist uh, here before him. His father, long dead, killed in a cave-in at Plaster Basin. And we don't actually learn his name is Pardot either. Nope. Uh, I believe that's in the back of the book. Like oh, through, through the appendices, you learn about Pardot. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he... Uh, yeah, it never, never does come up in the chapter. Hmm. But I love being able to tell you that he's Pardot kinds, and it does make it a lot easier as we refer to them uh, on and off of each other here. So he's really starting to hallucinate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's long gone. Yeah. Uh, this is a crazy town now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now... Well... And it's like he never sees the voice, though, to love. True. He can never see the source of it. It's always on either side of him. And then eventually he can't turn his head anymore. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, I love that a little bit. But uh, so Pardot's there and he's just lecturing his son over yeah. and over. It's going to drive kinds wild. Tells you what kind of upbringing he had. Yeah, right. I was going to say that. Uh, it really enlightens you of like, because a lot of them are sort of a, the whole point of this is going to be to tell us what the Fremen are like as a culture mm-hmm. under sort of uh, this Liet's guidance, really, or let's uh, let's say the Kynes family guidance uh, from Pardot to him. Mm-hmm. It's going to tell us what it was like for Kynes growing up in this environment. It's going to let us know his relationship with his father to some extent. Yeah. Like, we get a lot out of this uh, in a weird way, in a really weird structured way, to have, like, the ghostly uh, apparition that's just a delusion in the son's mind fill us all in. And uh, it's clear that it's... Uh, 
really kinds his mind dictating it because eventually like Pardot is telling him things and he's like oh you're reading my mind dad and it's like <laughs> oh oh kinds you're going crazy my man so i'm gonna kind of parse out most of these Pardot lines as we go and uh so his father starting this goes uh the more life there is within a system the more niches there are for life uh life improves the capacity of the environment to sustain life life makes needed nutrients more readily available It binds more energy into the system through the tremendous chemical interplay from organism to organism. Now, both those kind of uh, remind me of um, the Mentat law of like knowing a system and being part of a system and flowing with it. Okay. Of just that like, this is just saying life is a system and you just got to put more into it and it's going to flow and it's going to grow and it's going to get bigger and it's always going to incorporate all those constituent parts. Hmm. Uh, And to pull any one of them out you know, it's like each one is fully involved with the rest of the system regardless. So I feel like with the Mentat part, like whatever little bit you take, you have to go through like the whole process, you know, come out of the other side. Well, I think it's interesting too, because it's, we bring up energy again later, but like this is the first real moment where you start have to asking the questions, what are these uh, variables that he's referring to? Mm-hmm. More energy into the system. I assume this is the system of Arrakis as a whole. You know, being the planetologist, that's what yeah. I would assume. Yeah. And our biggest mystery of uh, this kind of book so far right, is right, sort right. of like, or side mystery, rather. It's like, what is happening on this world with no plants, but it's able to maintain this perfect oxygen level? Yeah, that's something. And I love that he mentions, like, no one thought to look, you know, away from the spice and be like, why is this actually working and functioning? Yeah, yeah. What kind does this come from? And it's, I mean, it's a good point, because I didn't think about that either. I'm just like, how, how is this place still working? Yeah. And so this is in like looking at it. So you're saying like uh, all the nutrients here, what are they then that the life is like binding into the system where this seems so bare of it? Well, it says life makes needed uh, needed nutrients. So the idea is that the more life you have, the more energy that goes into the system. Right. And I think, he's, but he's just saying like looking at Arrakis, like what, what are those then? I mean, I guess the only life we have really is, uh, the Fremen and the worms, and I guess the. the I, like, I think focus on the worm, and I, I'm I'm thinking it's like about how the worm dominates the ecosystem here, mm-hmm. and that I think what part of it's sort of sussing out is that like everything we would expect to see. So like you and I coming from a temperate climate, being mm-hmm. like, where is all this variety and stuff? He's sort of saying like, well, it's still here in a way, but it's calm. It's you know, it's tied up in this worm system. Whatever is happening there that's where all the energy and nutrients are going and they're making it available via the spice and that circulation. Mm. But like where, you know, cause he's, he's going to bring up these gaps, but maybe, maybe we should keep going. Uh, cause I love this next line that actually comes up from the plant olives. Okay. And it's gonna undermine sort of what we're just doing here. So part cuts in with like, we are generalist. You can't draw neat lines around planet wide problems. Planetology is a cut and fit science. So I like it. So like even right now, we're trying to like, what are the variables and line them in? He's like, you can't do that. <laughs> it's way broader than that. And you got to take the parts you do know, cut them, resize them, mm. and fit that piece in because each world is going to be a precise jigsaw puzzle, essentially. Mm-hmm. And then you have kinds. He's going to echo what we're going to be thinking here. Of, What's he trying to tell me? <laughs> is there some consequence I failed to see? Mm. And then this is the point where um, kinds can smell sort of a burned rock odor. From the pre-spice gas. Oh, there it is. Uh, coming up from it. Which Why I, is it burnt rock odor? I, I think just because of the pressure. Uh, like the immense pressure and heat okay. kinda, that's building up there. I assume that would generate heat. At least. Right. Oh, yeah, pressure. I mean, that charge. Yeah, pressure usually does. Um, and otherwise, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's just to like, 
It's also there is a chemical uh, process happening mm-hmm. where um, the little maker is exchanging material with the water, and that's gonna that's creating an interchange because ultimately spice is kind of being made pre-spice. Right, right we, right. we do have to call it that. It takes a when it go, bursts into the air, that's when it turns into melange. When it contact o- with the oxygen, yeah, it oxidizes. It, it oxidizes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. You're dead on, Mike. Good for you. That's how. So that's why it, the. That's what pre-spice is. Okay. And why it's a little different. So I okay. mean, if you could tap into that, that might be the best stuff. If you get a pre-oxid, I don't well, know. Well, if it's pre-oxidized, it may it may not even be like uh, may not even be able to work with it. Right. It might be double though. Could be double spice, Mike. You don't know. Spice concentrate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's <laughs> uh, add a little water. <laughs> <laughs> it's already got it in there. There you go. <laughs> the water gets kind of blown out <laughs> with the spice mo. Yeah. No. Um. Oh God. I hate how I still don't know anything about this. All right. Uh, so Pardot continues to the working planetologist. His most important tool is human beings. You must cultivate ecological literacy among the people. That's why I've created this entirely new form of ecological notation. He's repeating things he said to me when I was a child. Kind thought. So that one is the first one that like red flags for me. I mean, he's seen his life flash before his eyes, more or less. Mm-hmm. But it's I think it's uh, in a way it's more of a subconscious talking to him and just repeating things. It's just like, why aren't you thinking about this? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's gonna. Hmm. Like his mind is yeah. like he's reaching for some sort of aid or help. And I think maybe subconsciously the other things are like, this is what will help you. This is what will aid you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even I, though, like, they're just lectures, more or less. But, like, right. it's, these, it's these the, thoughts. It's the first memory that comes to mind right. and just plays automatically kind of deal. I was also thinking maybe, like, subconsciously he's trying to, like, wrap his head around this idea of Paul. Because ultimately it's where we get to with all this. Right. And I feel like these are all the dangling things around that you need to know to understand why he was also reluctant to get Paul. Okay. Yeah, so these are the pieces of the puzzle that make him have that moment of clarity, I think. Yeah, but so what I meant, though, when I said this was, like, red flag for me is, like, this is the first thing where we get, like, this is someone who's taken, uh, like, kind of hijacked the Fremen is the plan we ultimately learn, Yeah, yeah. And this is the first sign you get of that, where it's, like... It seems like his father was the first to do it. Yeah, and he was. Yeah. And And that lets you know the time frame, too. It's very recent, all this started. All the planting. All that started recently. That wasn't like a thing the Fremen have been doing since they got here in like right. 7,000. It's only in the last like generation. But so it's letting us know that like clearly this kinds, Pardot kinds, in t- uh, plans on using the Fremen and manipulating them in some way. And he's telling like we need these people. They're the most important to their tool to us. Mm-hmm. Like that's very Imperium coming in. That's not a, like a Fremen way to look at things. So it's weird, but then we have Kynes telling us, too, like, this is something he learned when he was a child. Like, this is his base. This education. is, like, one-on-one for... Yeah. And I'm going to tell you that, uh, ultimately, like, the system Pardot sets up is, like, the education system for Fremen. So oh. you should assume, going here, that, like, all the stuff that Kynes went through, like, other Fremen go through that. This is the education that Fremen all deal with. Okay. okay? So we're going to get a little insight into, like, CH life in general, kind of. Uh, so then, um, as you said, like this next one, I think ties more to where you were saying, uh, whatever thought kinds has part up will chime in with something that maybe it's directing to what he needs to save himself. Right. Cause he thinks about like the moisture and then <laughs> I think it's also a slap in the face. It's just like, 
I feel cold. It's like, no, that's silly. Like, the sun's burning the moisture out of my body. God, they couldn't even leave me a still soon. His dad's just like, the presence of moisture in the air helps prevent too rapid evaporation from living beings. Thanks, Dad. I know that. Why do you keep repeating the obvious? Yeah, Kynes gets so mad at his dad. It's 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 really funny. It's very classic. I was like, Dad, (laughs) you're embarrassing me. (laughs) And help me, goddammit. Um, and then, uh, with that, the presence of water, Kynes, he, he gets a dream for a second. And just one little bit of like, oh, what if there was open water on here? You know, there's Quanat flowing open to the sky. A Grass covering the water. dune. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it sort of dovetails into his ecologist mindset. Cause then he goes on to like this little formula for how much running water you need to irrigate a certain right. area. Uh, and it's like, oh, okay. That's not really helpful right now on your part, man. Uh, but then uh, we get our his father coming back in, and I love this is uh, letting you know we've told you now the mission statement, right? Yeah, We're using people as tools. Here's step one. Our first goal on Arrakis is grassland provinces. We'll start with the mutated poverty glass grasses, and it kind of goes on like that how makes you me lock think of like in. a uh, a strain of grass that needs very little moisture to grow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so this is. Do you remember how the whole book started? How Frank got on this whole tangent. Uh, no, I can't remember. He was going to write an article for a paper on using um, grasses to tie down the dunes that were eroding on the Oregonian beaches. Oh! So this is where he finally gets to put that work on, that paper to work. <laughs> That's what this is. The literal process of like, hey, you plant one grass, you let that grow. It's like the scraggly one. It can survive under the worst conditions. Mm. Once that's in, it's going to keep more moisture in the soil. So now you can plant one that needs a little bit more water. You work know? your way up. Yeah, exactly. And then their roots are just going to bind out and really hold that all together. And you eventually change that whole landscape. Um, and that's what we're going to do here. And ultimately, though, um, I love his father even recognizes like, we're going to put stuff and we're going to look at the way things are moving. So the winds, where the water goes in the winds, we need to put wind traps there so we can take mm-hmm. all that water back. And we're never going to get away from needing wind traps, but that's fine. It just means it's something we're going to focus on. Uh, so I love that even there, he's sort of admitting like we're never going to fully change this planet. But man, we can make it hospitable. And that is the goal. Just to make it a little easier for people. And like, what a goal that is to have. But they can actually have a legitimate, like, moist wind. Exactly. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, Sirocco? Yeah, Sirocco. A moist wind. That's that's the dream. Uh, and then his father's family, like, look, you will die, too. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> God damn it, Dad. If you don't get off the bubble that's forming right now deep beneath you, it's there and you know it. You can smell the pre-spiced gases. You know the little makers are beginning to lose some of their water into the mass. Yeah, okay, so... Little makers, Is little that... makers. Oh, are we gonna wait until later to talk about this? Or... Yeah, let's let's oh. let's wait till later. Let's okay. keep, let's keep plowing through. Uh, so his dad sort of tells him of like. This is one of those cool moments where uh, his dad had predicted the little makers before he ever saw them. You right. Know, so I'm telling you, like, I didn't even need to. I did the, all my math. I had worked this out, and there's a gap. There's something in that gap. Then mm-hmm. it's sort of the basis of all the, you know understanding consequences. If you can't understand it, there's something you don't know. Look into it, and like that becomes your homework. And we get our first description of these little makers because um, Kynes is thinking of the thought of the water beneath him was maddening. He imagined it now. Sealed off in a strata of porous rock by the leathery, leathery, half plant, half animal little makers, and the thin rupture that was pouring in cold stream of clearest, pure, liquid, soothing water into a pre spice mass. 
So, and you can tell the, like how strained he is for some sort of liquid here. It's cool, clearest, pure, soothing water. Mm. Yeah, and just knowing it's so it's so far down though. It's like a hundred meters down. Mm. It's like three hundred feet. You're not getting that water anytime soon. Kinds he he kind of tries to uh, push himself up because he's he's a tough guy after mm. all. The odor's getting richer too. Yeah, it's building up. Yep, seep it a little bit more through. There was a bird that was starting to get near him. We have some hawks that have yeah, sort of settled down. Screeches. Yeah. Flapping its wings. Flaps back up. We get we understand now we're in the spice desert. And he does uh entertain for a second. Maybe the Fremen will make it out here. So is there a difference between regular desert and spice desert? I think that's another word for like uh like South Desert. Like where all the like the bigger worms and things are. Yeah, well, not like um I'm gonna say that in between, so not past the equator, which we call like, you know, that's the south, right? South mm-hmm. of the pole is like Fremen Desert. Right. In the deep desert. I think this is like between the pole and up to the like Imperial Basin kind of area. Okay. It's like where the spice miners would go. Because I don't think the Harkonnens were going to take them like so far out. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be out of their normal range. Right. Um, so it's I, supposed to be an accident, you know, in quotes. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think we're a little somewhere in the area where like Fremen territory would overlap with where like the Harkonnens are going to be uh, gathering spice and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but clearly it is desolate enough that like he's he's on his own. Right. Uh, and he's just hopeful that Fremen will be out and about, uh, which is kind of info of like how the Fremen work a little bit for us. Where like I don't think we've known them as spice hunters yet. No, but like they do have their own spice gathering operation. Right. Uh, and then as we go on in the chapter, we'll uh, kinds will mention that uh, the Fremen just will investigate water anyway, because he hopes that eventually like, they'll see the birds circling overhead. Right. Uh, and that means that some, you know, something is there. Right. But well, just that he says that Fremen will look at that just to see about what if water is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought that was just interesting that that would be like a Fremen M.O., where it's sort of like, uh, you know, an, an alien when the people are going, if you come across like an abandoned ship, like you have to go check it out. Right, right, right. Because life or death, whatever, even though it sucks, maybe that's like the Fremen, like you see that could be a hurt Fremen. So all of you go no matter what, because mm-hmm. you might save somebody's life. And that's the way you would want it if you and were that, the person. And that that's was also like saving that. water. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. On like a whole, uh, yeah. like a really broad thing of just like n- nobody like, are you talking about a body's water? Yeah. 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 Like just not letting it go to the desert. Uh, Because the desert is our only enemy. So keep the water in the tribe. Now, I guess from uh, the scientific point of view, like not only is water like incredibly valuable just to live, but uh, the Fremen treat it in a quasi-religious fashion Mm -hmm. as well. Do you think part of that has to do with what Pardot was talking about, about like using people? And like uh, he talks about instilling things in religion, Mm -hmm. like uh, use religion as practice to enforce scientific means in a way. Do you think that uh, water has something to do with, or water is an example of that? Uh, wait, so like a person's water? Yeah, or... uh, I guess, yeah, a person's He's... water or a tribe's water. But like he no, said okay. earlier that the, I, the amount no, no, of life I, in a system I, yep. is what dictates how much energy goes into a system. And ultimately, they want to have control over a certain percentage of the energy within a system. So do you think people and their water, in a sense? I'm going to, yeah, so I see where you are going. And I'm, I, I think I'm on the same page as you. Okay. And I would give it a yes and no answer. Where um, I just think I can't really prove it either way, 100%. Okay. But with the time frame of Pardot only being a generation back, I think they would have, if the, for them to survive the way they did, like, I think the water, uh, the sacredness of water comes from the necessity of it for life and how harsh this planet is where you need to conserve every drop. Right. And that, that just lines up perfectly with what Pardot needs. 
But uh, I see the point you're making. And mm-hmm. I, I think, because like they do start, um, what they're saving their water for now is Pardot's mission. Okay. So like maybe, I don't know if they were saving the water like they do now. It was probably just like enough to, you know, survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be something like that. That would be the area where I think he, maybe he did change their view on it uh, significantly. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I just think it might be like, this is the only thing that keeps us alive. It right. is the most well, uh, yeah, sacred Well, yeah, he cultivated resource. ecological literacy in yeah. Fremen. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, okay, okay. That's cool. I like that catch, though. Like, we'll, we'll see when we uh, when we get to Sietch. I think that'll be the time for us to look at how they uh, take care of their water and handle those kind of right. things. Uh, and we get more into Fremen customs. This is like our primer. Mm-hmm. You know, from an Imperial's eyes, what it's going to sort of be like on the Fremen side. Uh, but I love that point. So the next bit we go into is um, Pardot describing uh, movement across landscapes is a necessity for animal life. And so he's building up here of just saying, like, we watched how things moved. That's how I finally figured out that, right. like, uh, spice and worms were related. These lines of movement on the planet. That was all that we had to kind of well, view. Because the, the lines of movement he describes as uh, a creature's need to find food, to find water, to find shelter. Yeah. So a creature will move depending on what resources are available in an environment. And usually that'll also define what their habitat is. Yeah, in which he also says, we must control this movement now. Align it for our purposes. What, how, do, how do you do that? Um, well, let's, let's carry, do I I need, mean, I guess, okay. Yeah, I think I just gotta stop I, here. Enough. I guess I, if you reverse what I just said, in that, like, the habitat defines the creature's movement. If you can change a creature's movement to help define and develop an environment. Okay, no, I think it's, go, I think it's they work in the same direction, where, like, they are shaping little environments, which are going to affect movements build off of there but they're choosing the environments to change right 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 right. so i think with that is how they're sort of like guiding that course because like where's paul right now he's in a fairyland basin that's true that is one of those places making the monies with fairyland (laughs) yep Uh, but i think like that is being done to manipulate the Mm -hmm. uh maybe the flow of animals like there's going to be more animals there just by the presence of all that in the water and i guess i assume too when we were talking about uh the desert and Arrakis as a whole, I assume there was not going to be a whole lot of uh, plant or animal life here. Mm-hmm. But like we're we're just constantly getting more and more examples every chapter. It's just tucked into little places, yeah. right? It's not all out in the open. Um, so then we go on with uh, Pardot telling us, we must do a thing on Arrakis never before attempted for an entire planet. We must use man as a constructive ecological force, inserting adapted terraform life, a plant here, an animal there, a man in that place to transform the water cycle. To build a new kind of landscape. So I think that kind of there even like underlines it more so that uh, beyond pushing just the habitat, we're even tweaking the animals, right. the plant, and including, again, his favorite tool, man, in there. So from from what, I'm get, what I've been able to gather here is that Arrakis actually does have its own water cycle. It doesn't have like a lack of water. It does have a water cycle. Yes, which you knew that, I mean, from chapter like seven, I think was when we were with Yui. And they were talking about drilling deep for water. So we know that there is water down below. There's always water, but it goes down to a trickle. Yeah. Oh, God. And so that's the little maker. You're drilling into a little maker. Okay, so now I have no fucking idea what a little maker is because... Okay, no, okay, no. We'll get there in a sec. All right. Oh, God, I so, hate you. I know, I know, Mike. But we mentioned worms and spice. Kinds of his, he gets uh, his hope, like, spikes at the thought of a worm that when Pardot brings that up, and he's just like, oh, a worm. If I had a worm, you know, I could, find, I could use my maker hooks, and I could mount a maker. So 
Yeah. Was I right that you can like hitch a ride? Yes, you were. But you, wait, you, were just, you always wrong on the application of the hooks. So do you use it to stun the worm somehow? You're still wrong on the application of the hooks. Uh, no. Do you, you use don't. it to, oh wait, he says mounted. Do you use it like reins? Do you steer the worm? Ooh, that, now you got to correct. I'm going to like, I guess I'm just telling you when you get it right right now. Yeah, <laughs> that that is true. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah, you use it to steer a worm. Uh, Ock and Dirch, do you not remember your glossary? Digging through your glossary? No. No, oh, those are two, uh, if you go through the glossary, we have steersman calls, and that's like a worm steersman. So someone who drives a worm, we have left and right. Ock, Dirch. Oh my God. Uh, and then I think there's a word for forward. I believe there's not one for back. I don't think you can back a worm. Up. You can't go backwards on no. a worm. <laughs> you just ock, ock, ock. But you can you around. can legit like saddle up on a worm more or less. We we already had that uh, ghostly visage. Remember where Paul could have sworn he saw people on the back of a worm? Wait, what? I don't like, remember that. He was like moving through a night or far off in like a sand part. What? Uh, and he swears he can make out a shape of someone on it, but they like cast it off. I don't remember that at all. What are you, oh. what are you talking about? We'll, we'll find it. Um, it's again, like I told you in this. Feel chapter, like you're making things up <laughs> left and right. And then we've Santa been going through this book very methodically. I think I would have remembered that. Kind. I mean, that's another thing. You don't know what's important though. Your first time through, oh, God, like clicking on. But so yeah, the maker hooks are used. Uh, we're gonna get a chapter where we'll see we'll see them in use. You're going to get a full breakdown for it. So like, I feel like you can't just like uh, go in there without knowing how to use them. No, no. That's why somebody yeah. tells them how to use them before yeah. he goes. So like, look, this is this. Put this end here and oh do this. Oh my God. But we can at least tell you, like, yeah, Fremen do ride the worm. So uh, way back, we got to do some corrections now because like there's some stuff we brought up way back in the day that I couldn't tell you this. We are talking about smugglers, Fremen moving through the desert. They don't always have to walk. They can just ride a worm. <laughs> they can just ride a worm. And if you bring up a worm, like, you don't got to worry about the worm Does eating Does anyone you. know that the Fremen do this? No, 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 no. So smugglers don't know. Uh, okay, you get me. Smugglers are always, uh, I would put an asterisk of just like, I don't know what they know and don't know. They're kind of a plot hole as far as like Fremen information go. Because they clearly they fraternize with the Fremen. Mm -hmm. Are very close with them on some level. I don't know how you would avoid the fact that they can ride worms at Is all. Is that time. also why you can't have like cameras going down looking at the south side of uh, yeah. the desert? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, that you would see. That's part of like the agreement the Fremen and Guild have. Yep. Uh, oh. Whether or not it's for that exact reason. But it's know, also, but it's a perk at the very least. It is at the very least tied to their um, greenhouse program. That oh they're my operating. God. So the, the worms, do they just sort of ride on the surface then? Yep. Yep. Can, uh, you can, when, uh, when you get one up, when the maker hook is properly applied, a worm will not go back down under. Why? Well, Mike, we'll get that. Oh, <laughs> my God. Uh, you already got me this far. All right, God, <laughs> twist my arm. Um, am I really just going to tell you about worm riding right no. now? <laughs> okay, fine. We'll, okay, we'll save it until we finally get there. We, yeah, we got to we got to get there. If we don't get there, I'm going to throw this glass across the room. Yeah, and I'm sorry. Um, I, no, let me tell you. Okay, so it has to do with... Um, irritation between its rings ultimately oh like the segment the ring segment yeah so how they're all separated because actually you know what our deep dive is going to kind of cover this so i feel okay telling you this a little bit um basically a little segment gets propped open and uh that will rotate to the top of the worm because it doesn't like getting sand in between its segments oh <laughs> and you you keep that propped open and then the worm won't, won't go back go down oh because he's like it's gonna itch it's gonna itch like crazy and i don't got no arms to scratch it <laughs> Actually, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so then you just write... Oh, and uh, so on that, worms actually have a top and a bottom. 
and uh, you can tell by how the bottom is a little smoother on its on its scales. Oh. And, uh, it does it does orient like it doesn't have eyes or anything, but it does have a natural orientation to it. Interesting. Uh, but it not doesn't matter. It just happens to go one way. So mm-hmm. like when you bring one out and where, however you prop it, like you'll just notice on the scales and be like, oh, that's its natural bottom side. Maybe that's what we're standing on or something. But and then you ride the worm until it's exhausted. Yeah. When you let it go, it's too tired to do anything, and it literally just pouts for a bit, and then will burrow back down. Pouts? Yeah, yeah. Like it sits for like an hour, just being like, "That sucked. Why'd you guys do that?" To worm. Me? I'm, just, I'm so tired. Like, what? where am I? Just like sunbathing, more or less. Oh, I mean, it was just pissed and tired. Like, cause you <laughs> ride it forever, and it's just been on the surface, eating nothing, doing nothing. Oh so my you god. Just, and that's how you can get off it safely without it like, you know, thrashing into killing you all. What? Wait. So does wait, 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 wait. So does that mean that like you always have to rot, like drive the car until the tank is empty, more or less? Uh, yeah, or, like, uh, one person would drop everybody off, ride the car to a safe distance, and run! <laughs> but for the most part, yeah, they're, like, they're too exhausted, but, like, right. when you get it, it's not like you just get it on a whim. Mm-hmm. You're not just like, eh, I don't want to walk, I'll get a worm today. Like, <laughs> no, you're, you're going on a huge <laughs> okay, journey. Okay. <laughs> the journeys we literally measure in thumpers. <laughs> Uber worms. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, like, so we'll have, like, a ten thumper journey. So that's gonna tell you we're gonna use our thumper ten times. Because we're gonna need to call different worms. Oh, because this worm—it's like horses back in this the day. This worm's too tired. Yeah, yeah. You trade horses when you get to like that stall. Worms are territorial, though, right? Or do they not go into each other's territory? Uh, they do, but when worms fight, they don't like fight to the death. And so normally, like in this case, I think if you took one out of its territory, it's just gonna make a beeline back home. Um, that makes sense. Whenever worms do get in a fight, they will just gnash on each other, and uh, one will just give up eventually and leave. Because oh it's like they don't. So they don't usually fight to the death in any manner. This is ridiculous to think about. Yeah, but that's their primary mode of transportation. That's our big band-aid. We finally get to rip off. Oh, my God. And what a nonchalant way to fucking put it in there, Frank. Yeah, you know what's really cool, though, Mike? What? You can also get a palaquin up on that motherfucker. Like, you can put a platform. Like a howda-style thing? Yeah, well, for the old ladies. Well, we gotta bring a reverend mother with us, or... Not a reverend mother, <laughs> rather, but, like, if guys held behind showed up, or, like, a little <laughs> little shout-out mates. Maybe she's feeling under the weather. We got a palaquin for you. Oh, my God. And the children. What about the children, Mike? They can't just, like, saddle up? Uh, most of the badass ones can, actually. Trim it rough. I mean, like, a toddler. Oh, <laughs> my God. All okay, right. so that's crazy to learn. Yeah, because, I mean, Kynes tells us, like, he would love to have trapped it on the surface and use it. And that's How like, do you trap a worm? That's, again, propping up a thing, meaning... Oh, it, oh, oh, okay, yeah. prevent it from diving. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. It, it still has full dominion of the surface, but at least, like, we're tied to the surface. Not like, like where we're... are the worm cages now? <laughs> oh, God, they'd be so big. <laughs> so... Yeah, Kynes is having this dream now. Uh, we then learn the depth of this spice blow because he tells us it's 100 meters, like mm-hmm. I told you, about 300 feet, which is like, makes it weird for me that he's dreaming about even getting to this water, but I guess it's like a dead oh. man dream. Well, I mean, yeah, this is, he's going through the, the stages of grief. I know them very well by now, Derek. <laughs> I don't think so. This is the stage <laughs> well, grief. Well, before it's just like too deep to get, but now it's like, it's only 100 meters. <laughs> it's only, I can, I can do this. I can start digging now. I can make it. <laughs> right. and um where does this uh lead us into of uh oh uh back to part bringing up this other mystery of ours the uh mystery of how this world has a near ideal nitrogen oxygen co2 balance in the absence of large areas of plant cover Mm. like yeah that is gnarly and he's not the first one you like i said yui was really onto this before too right because i think he remarked on the oxygen right when we were talking about the water 
I'm just like, what is there that's on this for? It built itself into the evolutionary pattern of native life forms. Yeah, the Arakeen environment right. built itself. Mm -hmm. How strange that so few people ever looked up from the spice long enough to wonder. It's a good question. Like I said earlier, like I, I didn't even think about it until he mentioned it right there. So it's like, oh, how is how is that always like perfect? Yeah. And uh, it's so out there that mm. like you could never come to this. Like, right. Oh, well, clearly it's a worm and then some half plant, half animal thing that <laughs> steals the water and <laughs> buries it under. Because like you still have no idea how to describe the little maker. Just yeah. Um, now, Kynes again tells his dad, you know, stop lecturing me. And this is where this rotation I told you, kind of where we do delusion, rational, and then the hawk is this new character that shows up because this hawk gets some face, gets some screen time. Yeah, face to face. He's down there, lands next to his hand. And at this point, because I love how kind, he's, his reactions get weaker and weaker. So at first yeah. he croaks at it. So we can't even speak anymore. We just go, ah. And like, it's enough to make that bird sort of like hop back and <laughs> cock his head a little <laughs> bit. I'm like, all right, you're not dead yet. <laughs> um, he's going to wait. And then we get uh, Pardot coming in with a really, really good one of men and, their, men and their works have been a disease on the surface of their planets before now. Nature tends to compensate for diseases, to remove or encapsulate them, to incorporate them into the system in her own way. I like that. I love that. That's a cool view. And coming out of, uh, I think we're still pre-EPA. EPA? Like environmental, going, uh, touching back to the real world. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. I'm uh, just like, talking about riding worms there. Like, I am just completely disconnected from the real world now. Yeah, yeah, sorry. We're like, because uh, Nixon hasn't been president yet. So <laughs> EPA doesn't come to like the 70s, I think. Oh, man. So that's gnarly. That's like a, a way to look at things where that seems very modern to me. Hmm. Uh, looking at it, it's like, yeah, we're the problem in a lot of ways. Um, and so on this one, I don't really know how, uh, how to apply that to Arrakis. Of how, like, nature compensates for disease to encapsulate them and incorporate the system in her own way. Do you think that... Uh, or if he's referring more to, like, the, the use of Fremen. I think humanity in general. What do you mean? No, 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 but how does this apply on Arrakis, though? You don't think that humans coming here and taking all the spice all of a sudden is, like, all right, of a sudden no, this no, is a yeah, huge yeah. change? The second part, though. I'll give you that's the disease. The yeah. Imperium coming here. I get that entirely. Okay. But, like, how is Arrakis compensating to remove or encapsulate them for coming here for just the spice? What happens to the spice if it's not picked up or not collected? Just stays there. So then it's over already... time, Arrakis would just be a spice rich world in a way. Right. Or do the nutrients like degrade over time? Um, let's assume they degrade because it is like an organic compound. Then, like, what do they degrade into? Because right. what it's saying here is like now all of a sudden a lot of the spice isn't going back into the ecosystem. I, I don't think that's what this is saying here. For coming right into this one, I think this line is just saying that like men and their works are like we work incongruously with nature, right? We work against the flow of nature in a lot of ways, yeah, and are just destructive for it. And then nature compensates for these diseases, and it like it molds around them and grows around them, like and you know how environments have wrapped around cities and such. How you have uh like pigeons? Do you know pigeons are um meant to live on cliffs and like rock faces? They're like uh, a pigeon is known as a rock dove. Oh, and they can nest really well on like a really steep, narrow edge. Right. And that's why they've adapted so well to the skyscrapers cities, yeah. and buildings and anything. Because it's so like what they it's used to live dotted into cliffs. Interesting. Uh, so yeah, I, I didn't I never knew that. That's really cool, actually. Yeah. And so they thrive. Now hmm. we've created so many more environments than they ever naturally had. Hmm. That is what I think this is saying. Something of that thing. And that's where I don't get where Arrakis. 
that makes fits sense, in. Unless it's just that nature is just so brutal here that it doesn't even give people a chance. And that the ones who are really incorporating into it are the Fremen. You know, like nature changed the humans, the Fremen being, until they could match the nature that's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, until they could survive into it in their way. But I don't know. That's the best I could get out of that. So then we go back into Kynes and he can't even croak anymore. I think he's sort of just able to gesture his hand a little bit. And then we come back around to um, Pardot. And this one refers to our historical system of mutual pillage and extortion stops here on Arrakis. I like it. This is Pardot like we're changing things. This is how things used to be done. This can't be it anymore. Uh, You cannot go on forever stealing what you need without regard to those who come after. The physical qualities of a planet are written into its economic and political record. We have the record in front of us, and our course is obvious. How do you how do you feel about that one? That I think lines up more into what you were just talking about of like ripping the spice off of the planet, right? Forever stealing what you need without regard to those who come after. I mean, like unless you bring something back to it, the planet's resources are limited. <laughs> Tell that to a cause. Yeah. <laughs> oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Ooh. But yeah, no. I mean, I am curious how. Arrakis has adapted from how many thousands of years since the Melange was like discovered and started being seriously mined. Mm-hmm. Like how did, what was Arrakis like before that happened? And how was this ecosystem functioning before that became a major player? That's what I'm curious about now. Interesting. Uh, wait, wait, before, before we harvested spice or just before, I mean, I guess we, what we don't ultimately know is like, what, was it like before the worms were like, where did the worms come from? If there was open water at some point, what caused that change? Were there not always worms present? The no, the worms can't survive with water. Yeah. Then they maybe were deeper in the planet even like what in the rock. In, I mean, in the sands. Well, there wasn't like there was. You don't think there were any sands? There were. I, I again, I don't know, but I guess I was just saying there was less than there is now. But even like a wet wind, the Serato is terrible for a worm. The worms would sense that. Okay. That's enough to affect a worm. Right. Irritate a worm. Okay. Uh, so it doesn't come up for that. I mean. For the, it doesn't come up for the wind. No, but yeah. like, because uh, they don't even move. They don't move through wet soil. Ultimately, like the little makers collect all the water on Arrakis and they put it into a little bubble and they like pocket it all up and hide it so that worms can't touch it. They're like on the worm side. I just think at some point, like the water and the worms are the antithesis of each other and they couldn't have existed at the same time. Which is fucking gnarly. But I will tell you, there's no serious answer to that. We will never go back and far far enough in time to like be like, I just want to say, like, do you think aliens made the worms? How the worms get here? No, Mike? I feel no, I feel like they've gotta somehow evolve. Just some evolution. Yeah. Of like some gnarly. But that's why I think they've gotta be older than that too, because like how uh, in between Yeah, no, I mean we have a... Uh, we'll get to the life size of, of a worm and stuff, but like we have millennia to play with. In yeah. terms of that, of like a planet's evolution. Right, right, right. Because yeah. I mean, what, we're only like 15,000 years after like Melange was seriously started to be like harvested. I, like 10. Uh, it was right around the guild change. That Wasn't that it for, happened. wait, what What year are we in now? Uh, 10191. Oh, yeah. So right. 10,000 years, more or less. Yeah, yeah. That's not enough time for like a giant worm yeah. to evolve. Yeah, yeah, entirely. So that's why I think it's got to be older than that. And I do not agree that like it was left here by aliens or something like that. You just don't even want to. Why would they be left here? Because the worms suck. <laughs> We're getting rid of these things. They're like, um, what are the the things in Star Trek that you get on your, uh, that you get on your spaceship? The, tri- oh, the little, tribbles. Uh, <laughs> like a bunch of those. 
No one wants worms. Yes, <laughs> they're bad boys. They take all your water. Okay. No, they don't. That's the point. Well, they... Oh, my... <laughs> you don't question me on worms. <laughs> you may not understand why I'm correct, but I'm correct. <laughs> but, yeah, they hate water so much. <laughs> I really liked this chapter when we started this show. No, you just hate worms. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So, continuing it on, Hawk makes its approach. Come back around. Part up makes his little chime in. Uh, we tell us Arrakis is a one-crop planet. And uh, this brings us into something I think we can more understand. Uh, with one crop, it supports a ruling class that lives as ruling classes have lived in all times. Beneath them, a semi-human mass of semi-slaves exist on the leavings. Yep, it's going to be pretty much how it is. That's the Imperium for you. Yep, I'm just focusing on the one valuable thing, and that's it. And they're not worried about anything else in the system. And more importantly, I feel like they're not worried about the consequences. Uh, again, going back to uh, the allegory about oil. How uh, mm. like first class countries sort of like rely on this one thing for everything industry now, uh, like basic transportation, even with like vehicles mm -hmm. like without it. What what friggin happens to us? Yeah. A lot of things just stop cold yeah. on the track and we don't have a replacement for them mm -hmm. on any acceptable level. Yeah. <laughs> they, they build everything off of it and use everything at their disposal to get that one resource. Yeah. And in this one, I love that part of is telling us the uh, the most valuable resource that these people have that they overlook is the masses of people at their disposal. Mm -hmm. These ones that they treat as semi slaves. Especially when he just says, like, people are the most valuable tool we That's have. That's the best tool. Yeah. It's so, so important. And it's the kind of the fulcrum of his whole plan. Mm -hmm. It's relying on the Fremen. So then Kynes tells his dad again, I'm ignoring you. Go away. And he looks up and he's seeing that there are three hawks here and there's some circling overhead. And that's mm -hmm. when we're getting like, yeah, the Fremen always investigate water. Like, Why cool. aren't the Fremen coming here? <laughs> I can't do this all day. Yeah, yeah. He's holding out as best he can. Then the father continues. The masses of Arrakis will know that we, uh, we work to make the land flow with water. Most of them, of course, will only have a semi-mystical understanding of how we intend to do this. Many not understanding the prohibitive mass ratio problem may even think we'll bring water from some other planet rich in it. Let them think anything they wish as long as they believe in us. Missionary of Protective. Yeah, yeah. That is so straightforward. I like how manipulative. And like, Pardot has no shame in this. No, not at all. This is just science to him. And to mm -hmm. me, it's like very ethically wrong in some <laughs> level. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're hijacking these people, but I, you're not lying to them in any respect either, though. Like, there is a shared goal. Well, yeah, it's like, I mean, I can explain it to them, but they won't understand. They'll still think it's like semi-mystical. Yeah, but he's like, you know what? It's easier to just not fight. Go move like water. Take the path of least resistance. <laughs> like, um, and then we get to the, what you brought up uh, in the beginning, which is like, I think the coolest point here. Raw, uh, religion and law among our masses must be one and the same. An act of disobedience must be a sin and require religious penalties. This will have the dual benefit of bringing both greater obedience and greater bravery. We must be depend not so much on the bravery of individuals, you see, as upon the bravery of a whole population. Hmm. And man, if you pick the bravest population you could <laughs> to back like a project like the this, Fremen. they are dedicated yeah. in every aspect. Um, and so if you think of how conflicted Kynes was at dinner with that uh, religious prophecy. Yeah. The Fremen, like he is the straightforward non-mystical one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every Fremen is like tenfold where he was at. Mm -hmm. um, given that like the guys are going to start yelling, Lisa no Yeah, they're all <laughs> smallest uh, inclination. 
Um, so I think it's going to be interesting looking as we go forward, because uh, we're about to see a group of Fremen encounter Paul. Yeah. That'll be the first time that's happened. As I said, this very much hits on as the missionary protectiva, and I don't know how Pardot is so, like, in sync with them, but he should have been a river mother in another life, or, like, <laughs> this man should just be in the Je- Bene Gesserit sisterhood. I, yeah, no, I don't just, know what else to do with him. Curious to think about, like, how Pardot ended up on Arrakis and how things... Yeah, like, yeah, why like, was he so intent on making this happen? Yeah. Because, like, like, that was probably not his job. His job was pay, pretty much to be a steward. Yeah, yeah. I think he was just probably the first one that was really good at his job. <laughs> well, they, the, the Imperium's been here forever. That's true. He's not, like, the first planetologist. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, uh, And he just happened to just get onto the right thing, somehow get himself in Gavald the Fremen, mm-hmm. and, like, stall this opportunity and took it. Um clearly a very independent man mm-hmm. and not afraid to like buck the tradition and be like, right. well, screw the Imperium. They're far away. Yeah. Like, it's just like Emperor's not going to be watching me. Yeah. He doesn't seem like he has any allegiance to the Emperor whatsoever. No. Like he never had to deal with being judge of the change. It seemed like Liet is a little more involved with, Le- with yeah. the happenstance or the, the mechanism that is the Imperium. Uh, but no, I, maybe that's probably for the best that we don't ever have to meet Pardot or like dig into him. This can be left vague. He seems like a very absolute kind of guy. Yeah. Where he yeah. doesn't like take any shit from anyone and he'll just keep going on and on. Right. Well, I just think that, uh, oh, I was thinking, can I more allude to uh, his responsibilities with the Imperium do kind of uh, butt up against his Fremen activities? And I think it's best that you never have to explain that. And right. Like, uh, we don't know how to round that uh, edge there. We just feel like that is what it is. Uh, <laughs> he just did it and we're going to say it's done. And I was like, <laughs> okay, okay, no questions. Um, now the father continues, uh, or rather, we got to go back to our hawks here. <laughs> well, just uh, look, he's talking about like bravery of population. Mm-hmm. Poor Kynes is there, like, where's my population now? <laughs> I yeah, need help. I could use a brave population because, like, this hawk jumps up towards him, and now he can't even croak anymore, but he's able to move his hand a finger's width. That's it, just a, mm. a little shuffle, and the hawk jumps back, and it's got its two companions there, and they're just watching it. And they're not striking him just yet. They're just waiting. Yeah, is it dead yet? (laughs) There's a weird timer going Mm -hmm. on. It's like they are aware of that spice blow, though, just as much as him as we're going to come to find. Yeah. I think that's why they're sort of like taking their time as well as like holding out. Like, oh, if he dies before this goes, we're going to get a good meal Mm -hmm, here. mm -hmm. Um, But it's like they're not sure if he's dead yet or not either. No, yeah, yeah. And they keep going forward. They're like, not yet, not yet. Hold off. See, I, I thought that, I mean, I realized he's getting weaker and it took me a few times reading this to like really hone in on exactly how little he can do right now. Mm-hmm. But I thought he was going to try and use the birds as a source of water. Oh, like he was playing hard to get and like, yeah, grabbed one. And, yeah. Cause yeah. it even says that like one becomes like within almost within range of slashing. Yeah. So I like, I like that. I, but that I think it's to uh, contrast with the suddenly when right. it departs. Um, but I think the, the blood jerky part would be a good catch. Cause um, they mentioned that at like dinner too. It's like dinner a, and in the helicopter. I yeah. think that's where Kynes told Paul that. And then mm-hmm. Paul brought it up at the dinner. It was sort of like trading off. So that would have been right in line mm-hmm. with like what Kynes uh, tells us. Um, it would have been interesting to see him just push to the edge. He would resort on taking something else's water, mm-hmm. but he would never obviously do that first. So now when Pardot uh, shows back up, he is informing us that this change, this big project we have, is going to um, happen on a timetable that is similar to the natural phenomena. So it's going to be a slow little process. No mm. one will ever even know we're kind of started it yet until it's too late. Um, and it's not going to be in our lifetime. It's going to be in like our children's children's lifetime, you know, pass way down. Uh, 
And then he tells them like, look, we only need to control 3% of the energy surface, only 3% to tip the entire structure over into our self-sustaining system. And that's what I was talking about earlier about like how much life being in a system, because mm-hmm. the amount of life dictates how much energy is uh, there within a system. Mm-hmm. And that's why I was thinking like, if you're counting the Fremen towards that and introducing them and integrating them into that system, c- controlling them and using them to help like, uh, Create the plants and yeah, yeah, yeah create the, the plants and sort of like uh, establish the basis of some sort of uh, new water cycle. They they realistically only need a tiny little bit of effort to do it in a way. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. on in a macro scale, I say tiny little bit, but it takes like an entire people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking to like a planet wide right. now. Like it skews it a little. Three percent of a planet is a lot. But yeah, yeah. We basically turn them into like they are the rain clouds. Like cause there is yeah, no that's rain. a really good way of thinking about it. They go out, they collect the water, they bring a little, drop here, drop here, drop here, and they water all those plants. That's pretty neat. Uh, and mm. then they're setting up those wind traps. They're setting up all this mm-hmm. infrastructure to capture as much as they can. For I did this not purpose. think about them as a rain cloud until you said it just now. But that is like so perfect. That's exactly. Yeah, yeah. What they are. Because I, I was going to at first go with like they're kind of like bees, but they're not really pollinated. They're literally just bringing water. Yeah. That is their like uh, what they donate to these plants. Um, so after that timetable bit, we're now at the point where Kynes, he can't move any muscle because he wants to turn his head to stare his father down and just mm-hmm. be like, why aren't you but helping he me? He can't. He has to stare in this one direction. And as we said before, the voice was always left, right, left, right. Now it's just, it's right behind him. Mm-hmm. And he's, so he's sort of frustrated by that. Now Kynes is telling him like, why aren't you helping me? Always the same. When I need you most, you fail me. That says a lot about his upbringing. That is a huge yeah. portion of it. And so what do you, what do you read into that? Cause I, I read it as like, I think his dad was always busy lecturing and teaching. I think he was working on this. Well, like, yeah, because I think he needs to make sure that like, this isn't going to be something I accomplish in my generation mm-hmm. and need to make sure I teach you what you need to succeed. But in a way it just makes me feel like he was more focused on his work than he was his own son. Yeah. Well, cause uh, like, I guess you don't, you don't know, maybe appreciate the scale that his work is like all the, no, no beyond the planet side thing, but like right. all the Fremen and that Pardot had to win over all the Fremen himself. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. I, I understand that, but when you're a 10-year-old being right, right. taught yeah, this... Yeah. Like, I just wanted to make sure that you knew that was what part of yeah, was yeah. doing. But yeah, and so Kynes, from I'm, his I'm eyes... I'm looking at, yeah, from yeah. Kynes's, or uh, Kynes, uh, Liet's perspective. Yeah, it's a general, I guess. Yeah, we're, I guess. we're not generalists, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so he's saying his dad is always more caught up in his work and mm-hmm. into this weird thing. He doesn't have a time for him, so I, I love that. And that that is sort of like this version of his father, this one standing there not helping, lecturing him, is all let alone like as a delusion to be there to, to fill us in as the readers about all this. Like, I think this is the dying impression of his father mm-hmm. he's always had with him. Like, my dad never really had time for me. This is the man that he always was, always lecturing, always going on. Now, uh, with that, we have Kynes and he's pushed to the edge and he can't really move anything. The hawk starts moving towards his hand again. Kainzo is having, I think, being so close to death right now, he gets his little Chris Atatarak moment. A moment of clarity. Yeah, a profound clarity filled Kainz. That's what I, I love. I and wonder if it's just like being that close to death. I, th- I think it is. Yeah, it's yeah. gotta be. Almost like, like uh, with uh, Leto when he had that, you know, his fondest memory of... Uh, Apollo with Apollo, the kite. Yeah, Apollo. Was it just Paul with the kite? Yeah, it was an antenna kite like up oh, in yeah, the sky. So, yeah. yeah, with Paul and the kite. I think this is his moment. 
I mean, mm-hmm. it's probably uh, it's no kite with his dad, but no. But I think this is even more like Paul's, and just because um, it uses like the potential for a rack, he saw he saw quite suddenly a potential for his rackus, his his father had never seen. The possibilities along that different path flooded through him. Seizing so path and possibilities there are just both very like Paul prescient words. Yeah, so that's why I kind of got that feeling for it. Do you think it's the amount of spice that he probably yeah, yeah. has and in his diet? Like, well, being over it. No, yeah. not only his diet over a oh, spice. Over, over spice. I guess Maybe. not a lot of people spend time there, do they? You don't really hang yeah. out. Like, we gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> it's like his, his face is buried in the sand. He's no, huffing it. It's so good. That's actually an interesting point. So I maybe you are right. Maybe I there's a little something a little, to it being concentrated. A little factor in there. Or yeah. A little contributing factor. I, okay. Um, so that uh, his uh, Pardot is reading Kynes' mind now. Kynes' mind now. And he says, no more terrible disaster could befall your people than for them to fall into the hands of a hero. And then it's like, ah, father. Read my mind. No, now, now I'm curious. Is that... Is that something his father once told him, or is that one of these moments where his father is addressing the current situation? I think his father would have had to say it before. I bet this is part of that lesson to him, in part okay. like letting him know the big plan. Okay. Because uh, knowing Liet's going to fill his shoes, like you need to be as fully informed as I was. So I bet this has been something that's been on the back of Kind's mind and why he's so resistant to the prophecy. Right. Because he knows that prophecy can be detrimental to, to this his other plan. Goal. Exactly. But maybe there's also the potential that it could be productive. It could be a boon instead of a bane. So to kind speak. of. And that I think is the sort of satisfaction. So Kynes had the unique opportunity to size Paul up. Mm-hmm. Paul answered incorrectly. He chastised him. Paul then comes back with the right answer. And that's where I think Kynes is right now, reflecting on that, where Paul is like, no, I will give you my life for yours. That is the exchange we make. Like, Mm -hmm. I won't just promise you all infinite water that I'll, like, wave my hand to solve problems later. I'll give you my life now. And I think that's why Kynes sees, like, is now looking in. He's seeing this future and knowing that, like, maybe Paul uh, isn't going to do it the same way, but he'll do it some sort of right way. Mm -hmm. In a way that at least Kynes is like, or Liet is thinking, like, I can accept this. This is a fair exchange. I think it's also kind of interesting in a way that... uh I know they're carrying birds here, so it doesn't. It's not a perfect metaphor, but this hawk is like coming to his open hand, more or less. Ooh, I didn't even. You're right. That's a, that's got to be pointedly done. Mm-hmm. That it's a hawk, and yeah. that the hawk doesn't strike him. Yeah, ever. It's always. Like, it's always thinking about it though. <laughs> yeah, well, well, in a treaty, it's never. It's like you did not say sir that one time. <laughs> These but. birds don't sleep. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's that's got to be like uh, we've hammered home hawk, hawk, mm. hawk. He could have chosen any bird. We've mentioned vultures before. Right. We saw an eagle the other time. Yeah. When because he uh, chose the crest of the Atreides on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so th- there must Do be. Do you think he chose the the crest of the Atreides after? This chapter? No, no. I mean, you certainly couldn't. Uh, it wouldn't have been after because their their whole feature is like the hawk is just so. You hammered. don't think he superimposed that on afterwards? I mean, then, I think you could have. I, I don't think. It I really, think vice versa. You could have put the hawk in here afterwards. I think know? it's easier to be like, oh, there's a hawk in the desert than, uh, or sorry, it's easier to just be like, <laughs> oh, their banner's a hawk instead of being like, oh, what animals exist in this desert, and you would have a face to face experience with, and represent this individual. Wait, so you want to think that, like, he put the hawk here and then went back and was like, I should make that the crest? Yeah, like, possibly. I, I just feel, I think that's, like, 
backwards to what it would flow into. I'm just saying, we know I, the Atreides crest, we don't sure. know the Harkonnens crest. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. I, but I think you are onto something like, the, there is some symbolism here with the hawk. Yeah, yeah. Or, uh, for why it's here. Uh, that I agree with you on. I, we, <laughs> we're not going to be in the, on the, that he re- retrofitted I'm the whole I'm very book. tired, Derek. I haven't slept in a while. That's okay. That's a good catch, though. That's what I, that's what I need be, you here for, Mike. Channeling my inner Lato right now. <laughs> So a kind telling him he read his mind. We also find out now that the message has already been sent. So yeah. kind sort of like, whatever you want, Dad. It's too late. I already, <laughs> I already did it. <laughs> I already sent that message. And we know that he has sent a distrans to various CX villages all around, mm. letting them know. So if Paul is alive, they will find him. They will protect him. They may Maybe disregard. Maybe not the mom, though. Yeah, that, that wasn't in the orders. The yeah, I only said get the boy. Uh, so that should... Um, Maybe get you a little alert for next chapter. Yeah. I'm like, oh, wait a second, dude. Oh man. You know. Here's the thing: if like Paul fights back and kills him, like what are they gonna do? It's like our orders were to save him, though. Yeah. Oh, you're not gonna like the little thing I pulled out for the teaser. Oh no. Oh no. So uh, the hawk, though, now it finally closes its gap. Okay. It gets there, Mike. It's within striking range. Yeah, oh, it's it, can, it can make the boy bleed. And kinds. Uh, I'm sorry. Then it, it bolts suddenly. Just boom, and it's two companions go too. Single screen. Which three hawks? We knew three Atreides. I know. Ah, it's all over the place. They fly off, and Kynes is like, "Oh, thank God, my fremen are here. They've made it at last." Oh. And then he heard the sand rumbling, and uh, I, 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 I kind of pulled out uh, this whole bottom thing. I, I think I'm going to read the last paragraph of it, but. This is another sound that every fremen knows, right? Mm-hmm. So we know, you know, when a certain worm is coming. You know when a spice blow is going to kill. Yep. It makes it sort of hissing uh, distinct from the slithering sound of it. And this mass has finally reached that critical moment. It's too big now. It's going to pop. It's going to burst upward and come up. And uh, those hawks are just like screeching in frustration above him. Right. <laughs> Which I love because, because one, they he's know not when- g- he's not going to be blown away. There's nope. going to be an exchange of uh, matter here. Yeah, he's really going to be swallowed, which yeah, it's is kind of cool. It's uh, going to create like a little whirlpool. Uh, which, weren't we talking about this before of like, um, oh, you know what? No, I was talking to somebody else at work of uh, if a sand, if a worm comes out of its hole, they mentioned that like you don't want to be too close to it because you can get, you'll get sucked under. The displacement yeah. of the sand. Yeah, you get, whoop, there's a little vortex mm-hmm. that happens. And that's going to be, so like uh, when the carry-all thing happened. Right around there. That would have been all around it. We saw that swirling vortex yeah. of sand. Is it displacing and going under? So we got this last paragraph. But oh, sorry. Wait, 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 for, yeah, go ahead. Before then. Ooh. So. Uh, you want the desert creature? Oh, um, no, it was, it was prior to that. Oh, okay. You said they can distinguish the sound from other desert life or worms. So the pre-spice mass has accumulated enough water and organic matter from the little makers. Mm-hmm. So the makers aren't the organic matter. They produce the organic matter. Yeah, uh, or, I mean, I guess they are. Set, they are organic. Yeah, well, they're an animal. Basically, yeah, they're they're, half they're animal, like half they're plant. like taking yeah. the water in and like spitting this mixture out, right, so right, to right. speak. So it's reached a critical stage of wild growth. So I guess that just means like, what do these cells just like? I mean, how does it work? Does it just uh, is it almost exponential in how it uh is created? This like pre spice mass is it sort of like a like a cell division in a way? Um, uh, yeah, a little bit. Just it gets like, it just gets too big and just like, we get to a point where it just, yeah, conti- so basically it's like, keeps continuing. it's like they're like consuming. So think of like, uh, of us breathing and breathing out, like you're breathing in, we take a little oxygen out, bring in a little more, more carbon dioxide. Right. They, they've accumulated this big ball of water. They're like bringing the water in. They're pushing out this like, um, carbon dioxide, this other material that they created. 
which was the water. Gotcha. And it's like building into this mass. Yeah. Gotcha. And then it's under pressure from let alone the sand and being down there. And more little makers come to it and add more into this little pocket. Okay. Like they sort of uh, accrue on the outside and inject their thing into it. Uh, and then, yeah, so, it must like regularly happen. And then it's building and building. And oh, okay. Okay. So I was, all right, never mind. We, we can talk about this in a second. Then. Yeah. But there's, there's sort of like a multiplying bacteria effect going gotcha. on. Gotcha. Um, and then uh, I, I was going to skip over this. So I'm glad you kind of doubled back, but we just get kind saying like, and I am a desert creature. Kind thought you see me father. I am a desert creature. I love that where it's because again, kinds is part of this desert and he is unique of like within the universe for his logical understanding of everything around him and how like he's the only one who knows Arrakis on like an intimate level. Do the Fremen know about the uh, the little makers? They do. Okay. But like they, they always I just think that they always have that tinge of like a religion to it. That right. sort of yeah. like corrupts it. And I just think that Kynes is the one who understands. He's it. the only one that knows exactly, you know, the scientific methods behind it, why it functions, how. It functions. Yeah. The, like the literal event that's occurring. He doesn't have, sure. does he have a protege that he's taught this to? Um, uh, He might like son of Kynes. Son of Kynes. <laughs> son of Kynes, that mass murderer. <laughs> I mean, we're losing fathers left and right. This is the moment there. <laughs> yeah. We, <laughs> we're going to find out. We got to pick one up. Uh, I don't know. We're going to wait and see. Uh, Another like who's next in line for, <laughs> planetologist do they have a first name <laughs> with our luck it's the fremen that paul and jessica run into and paul just fucking kills them. <laughs> just stabs like, oh no i didn't see that timeline <laughs> all right let me get our last uh right. one. this is a beautiful ending to this chapter he felt the bubble lift him felt it break and the dust whirlpool engulf him dragging him down into cool darkness for a moment the sensation of coolness and the moisture were blessed relief then as his planet killed him, it occurred to Kynes that his father and all the other scientists were wrong. The most persistent principles of the universe were accident and error. Even the hawks could appreciate these facts. That is how our chapter ends. Oh. Which, you can maybe even swap out uh, hawks for Atreides there. Yeah. Ah. Accident. I, I, I definitely think the hawks uh, were on purpose as far as sure. like, representing... The Atreides, in a way. Though I do feel like Yui would be offended that accident and error. He's like, are you kidding me? My plan was flawless. I did so much work. Uh, no, no, it was always accident and error. It was Jessica's error. Oh, I was going to say. Yui just like no, got no, no. lucky often. The UC Bible was totally accident on Yui's That was part, accident, right? yeah. So yeah, no, it is. I, that's This is the other quote that I see more often. Like the one at the beginning and the one at the end here, mm -hmm. or these kinds ones, are the two most often. The, the ecology is understanding consequences and the most persistent principles of the universe were accident and error. Do you think that uh, in that clarity, kinds or Elliot uh, kinds is like, recognizing finally recognizing the consequences of what he has done by helping paul like uh, not just his own death but like what that can mean for uh the future that he uh has worked for it can explain a little more do you think that maybe he didn't quite understand but he knew like almost like uh jessica with like an inkling and a feeling i just knew like i had to do this mm -hmm. do you think he ne didn't necessarily understand why he was doing it or how it was going to help him when he knew that like yeah, hero is the most dangerous thing. Do you think this moment of clarity is him understanding, uh, finally understanding what those consequences might be? Oh, okay. Of him help the accidents beyond the his death. Like what this means for the plan 
that his right, father right. instilled, what this means for the Fremen population, like what Paul is going to bring to this entire situation. Sure, sure. Uh, oh, wait, are you trying to connect the accident and error with that ecology of understanding, or are you just focusing on the understanding quote for saying, like, so Kynes is coming to understand the consequences of bringing Paul in? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Or, so. or are you just saying that the moment of clarity is this, that, like, the principles of the universe are accident and error? Do you think that's his moment of clarity? Yeah, yeah. Within, like, this uh, sensation happening here. Because I thought this was the last thought he had as he was being engulfed by the whirlpool. I thought... Yeah, come on. I would... No, no, no. Oh, um, no, yeah, but, um, so, going through the whole thing of, uh, him saying the profound clarity, he sees these options, what Paul's potentially gonna do, yeah, yeah, I think maybe he, uh, is, like, watch, thinking of that chain of consequences that comes from that step, mm -hmm. and being like, it does end somewhere I want, right, and maybe sort of bucking his dad's statement of a hero, maybe right. he's sort of, like, saying, like, maybe that's not true, dad, maybe mm -hmm. this is what we need, in part because I'm not gonna be here anymore, because of the the accident being my death. Right. Right? Or the, so, error, yeah, the so, error in the plan, the accident in the plan. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I think you I think you, you got something there for sure. Uh in that like then of like him getting pulled under. Because even Kynes was convinced it's just like, what are they gonna do? I'm the Imperial planetologist. Exactly. Like who's gonna get yeah. rid of me? And Baron Fuck. doesn't care. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> fucking the food. <laughs> no. Credit where credit is due, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> That one, no one saw coming. <laughs> the food came and killed you. That's gotta hurt. <laughs> He's all like Samuda eyed out. He's <laughs> like, oh, where are we doing? We're going for a ride? Yeah, sure. I'll get in the thopter with this guy. He's really hotboxing it in here. Those were Kynes' last thoughts before he was booted from the thopter <laughs> midair. Yeah, with smoke all trailing out. I don't know what Samuda's actually like, but. <laughs> Balance that music blasting from the speakers. <laughs> I want to see the foods ride. A little Gurney Hall on stereo. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Night, night of the Nafood. Oh my God. <laughs> okay, well. Way to bring, uh, bring way to end on a, uh, a positive and happy note um, happy on this. Note. Otherwise, oh, let's have a, do you got some of your glass? Pour some in your glass, Mike. Oh, I need, yeah. We, I need should, uh, we should do a little toast to kinds here. Oh yeah, we should. Let me just. One for Kynes. One for Kynes. One for Leah Kynes, because Parda was kind of a dick. Oh, uh, I'll do a half for Parda. I kind of like Parda. You need someone to be a dick every now and then, Mike. It's, uh, yeah, come on. <laughs> Dying family. Hey, here's to Son of Kynes. Son <laughs> of Kynes. <laughs> May you learn about your father sooner than later. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. I didn't realize I had drunk from that whole glass, actually. That was really, really smooth. <laughs> yeah, it disappears quick. So, uh, I think That's that brings wild. us to the end of the chapter. Anything else? Because we said we were going to put Warm there Theory was one in the thing, AI, yeah, There's one thing I wanted to talk about, and I nice. guess this will probably be the last time I really get to talk about it, is when he says his name. <laughs> okay. 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 okay, okay, okay. <laughs> give me this, give me this. Let me scroll back to the beginning. <laughs> when he says his when name. When he says his name. <laughs> yes. First of all, we got it. We got it, you know, straight from the source. He is Liet. That's great. He says, so is Kynes the surname? Was his father Pardot Kynes? Yes, father was Pardot Kynes. So when it says, uh, I am Liet Kynes, there's a hyphen in between Liet and Kynes. And I thought that was weird if Kynes was his surname. Mm -hmm. If it was like a part of his first name, like Fadrotha or something like that, that would make sense to me. But the hyphen in between them was kind of weird. I'm wondering, is Kynes the, was Pardot from Arrakis originally or did he come to Arrakis? Uh, Pardot came to Iraq. So do you think Kynes is, that's a surname, that's his Imperium name, and that Liet is sort of his Fremen name? Like, 
because uh, I assume Pardot, uh, he, he married a Fremen woman, right? He did. They had uh, Liet. I don't know if Liet was like his birth name or not, but I assume that is his Fremen name. Sort of like Muad'Dib will be Paul's Fremen name. Mm-hmm. Do you think his name is indicative of both his Fremen uh, lineage and his Imperium lineage? And that's why there's that hyphen in between them. And that's why his name is Liet Kynes instead of like, we just call him like Kynes within the Imperial. Because I'm sure someone would have oh, known that, his first name was Liet if that was the case. I think we talked about that a little bit. Like, we've, we've vented about yeah, this a few like, times. Why, yeah. why, why didn't Thufir, master so, of Mentats, like see the, the signed documents? Yeah, yeah. Or just like, hey, can you just write your name down real quick? Right. Uh, he, he wouldn't write his Fremen name on there. Only his Imperium name. Right. So, But like the only thing I like that the catch of that hyphen and uh, combining the Imperium and the Fremen. Right. I like that. That's a good interpretation of that. And no Fremen has ever called him Kynes. It's always been Liet. Um, I think you're right. I'm not 100% sure, but I think you are right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've only had a few interactions with them on that level. And so that's why I think like, Liet is less of his first name and more of his Fremen name, and Kynes is his Imperium name. Mm-hmm. But we do, he does have like, Paul calls him Liet Kynes. Yeah, well, Paul didn't really know his Just, name either until but, recently. But it's not like there's a correction there uh, kind of deal. Uh, so I can tell you just Wait, from when like... when does Paul call him Liet Kynes? I, does it not come up in the, um, maybe he just calls him kind. You might know, yeah, you're right. Yeah, maybe they are always separate. So, but what, beyond like, uh, finding any examples though, I can just tell you book wise, Frank Herbert rise, he never gives him another name. So like, no other first name or no, no other, yeah. other, no other name. I'm, I'm convinced because of the way it's written, that's indicative of his sort of dual nature and dual lineage and, or dual allegiance even mm-hmm. of he's got his Fremen half and he's got his Imperium half. Okay, and so that could be. Um, I can tell you now that we're, we've gotten to the point, we know Pardot, I can tell you where Liet's name comes from. Oh. How, yeah. he, how he gets that name. Okay. Is ultimately, Pardot was um, courting the Fremen, right? Okay. And he's going from Sietch to Sietch. He's sort of winning them over one right. by one. And it's pretty easy going. And uh, he takes on this Fremen wife uh, at some point, And he's still teaching Fremen. And basically, uh, at one of these sketches, um, some guy gives a naive gives the order to have him executed. Oh, and just damn! Like, We're done with Didn't this. win him over. So this fremen named Uliet is sent <gasps> to go and kill Pardot, and he walks up, and Pardot is lecturing uh, this like sketch uh, Warren class to all these little children, right? And he's giving them this whole thing, and uh, basically, like Uliet shows up there, and he's sort of like listening into it. And here's what he's saying. And he just turns around and walks away and falls on his blade. What? Because he, 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 he well, he can't order. go against the orders of the naive. Oh my so god! He takes his own really? Life. So, out of respect for that, his son is given the name Liet, which uh, is like younger, uh, uh, like less than uh, Uliet. Uliet is like older Liet, I think. Uh, that, that that's literally out. what it means. Yeah, because he's an older guy. I think you just had that in. Yeah. He wasn't born with the name Uliet. I hope not. Like that baby uh, looks wrinkly faced. <laughs> it's a Benjamin Button baby. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, like, that's where he gets it. So it is definitely a Fremen name, but I still just can't get over the fact that we don't even get, like, a fake Imperium name for him. Mm-hmm. And that would have made shit just so much easier in terms of, like, explaining who this man is. Right. And it would have made it harder to get to the bottom of the Liet Kynes mystery. Because then he could just have the full name, right? Well, does Stilgar have a last name? Or is he just known as Stilgar? Ah, I got Stilgar's, Stilgar's, I got Stilgar's full name. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. I didn't know Fremen had, like, his, only... His oh. middle name is Ben. Is it really? Yeah. Not a space name. We'll, we'll get to his middle name. Middle name. It's, oh. it's, it's got two space names on either side. Okay. <laughs> okay. Space name sandwich, if yeah. you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I just like the fact that it was Ben. And uh, since the encyclopedia was uh, 84, I don't know if it's Ben uh, in any of the other books. It might just be in his backstory in the encyclopedia. Mm -hmm. But it does make me think of old Ben out in the desert. Ah. Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm like, I wonder if there's a little thing there. A little illusion. I don't know. That's kind of cool. Okay, so that's a good. That's all I got. Is that it? An answer for Kynes? Does I that kind of put a little bit? I, on I do it? like the, knowing the origin of his name. Mm. If anything, it makes me feel more vindicated in my guess here. Yeah, but like that, that's my interpretation of his name, and I just think it's weird that that's the only name I've seen that has that little dash in between, like what would be a first and. Last and that, name. No, I mean that was the first time there was a dash into it too. Yeah, well, yeah. we never got the name Liet Kynes together. We haven't. Uh... Did we? Oh, it's tough. Like it's... I said, did Paul say that at any point? Because you, you seem convinced he did. Uh, let me look at Control oh. F. Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> Liet. That should solve it. Yeah, it never. It actually is never in the book. Is Liet Kynes besides that hyphen? Besides so that one moment, that is the one time. So I guess we can assume he always hyphenates it. Yeah, I mean he's the one saying it, so yeah, it's yeah. gotta be. Yeah, so I'll go with like I guess I'll settle on Liet's like his secret Fremen name, but yeah, I just I just think it's so weird that like the name was such a mystery for me. And that it, you know, Thufir never saw it anywhere. He doesn't let anyone say his Fremen name in public when he's like out with his Imperium friends. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I feel like that is, that says a lot about his character and that he is sort of split between these two worlds. Um, Ooh, I I just actually uh, got a little bit in here too. I wanted, I just came across this and trying to search for Liet Kynes in the book, but Mm -hmm. I ended up at the, uh, the appendices that goes into the Ecology of Dune. And it hits up, uh, it's all about Pardot. Basically, that's where I get some Pardot information. Okay. And uh, it tells me, though, about uh, when Kynes, when uh, Le- Pardot dies, Kynes is 19. He's a full Fremen. He's a sand rider. And he has killed more than 100 Harkonnen. Oh. He's a badass at that point. He's 19. Damn. And then he becomes the Imperial Servant. Damn. Uh, so it gets kind of cool, uh, just getting his age and where he was. So, like, really... For, he was a Fremen before he was a member of the Imperium. So I was just going to say, like, if anything, Liet is pretending to be in, in the Imperium, not oh. ever pretending to so be that, a Fremen. Oh, interesting. I think he, he always has to wear a mask when he goes to their society. That is interesting. And I guess that makes sense from everything we've seen. Yeah, very much so. Oh, I like that. That's really good. Right. Well, that was, a, that was a great catch. Uh, anything else for the chapter, then, that you want to bring up? No, actually, that was... I mean, aside from the obvious worm theory, that was all I wanted to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, and the worm theory is definitely the road we're headed to. Uh, before we do that, though, I need to fill up my glass. Do it. So while we while we refill these, Derek, I got to tell you. What's up? Uh, I was listening to this on the audiobook. Oh, yeah. I, I, there was a lot of music, and I actually, like, I teared up for a little bit there. A little bit in this chapter? Yeah, especially when the planet, when his planet killed him, as it killed him. That part got me so hard. But the music, I thought, was really on point. Again, like th- those are the moments that I absolutely love from the audiobook. And it, that's it, why... It gives you a little something. It heightens the emotion of it. It does. Mm-hmm. I know. It's, it's like when you watch a movie or you listen to like your favorite album. So that's why, again, I'm really happy that we partnered with Audible and that they're offering our listeners a free 30-day trial when they visit audibletrial.com slash SpiceRollPod. And what's cool about that is when they sign up, they're going to get one credit that they can use to pick from one of thousands of titles like so Doom. Yeah. And they get two credits if they uh, use their Amazon Prime account Ooh, to sign up. If you're really giving money to Jeff Bezos. Yeah. It can all be yours. And from then on, they, you know, you get one credit a month and then you can use that on new books. Doesn't matter what the price of the book is. You just hand them a little credit. You got a new book. In your yeah, au- you get a free, it's like a free yeah. exchange. You get a new audiobook in your collection. I always feel good when I see that it's like a really long one or a really expensive yeah. one. I'm like, I'm just giving you a credit. <laughs> exactly. Uh, do you, uh, did you listen to any cool audiobooks recently? Yeah. Uh, so the one I've been listening to recently is called Chaos. 
Charles Manson, the CIA, and the secret history of the 60s. Okay. Uh, It's by Tom O'Neill and Dan Pippenberg. And man, it is a wild story about how the CIA might have been responsible for teaching Charles Manson how to use LSD to like hypnotize and indoctrinate his followers. Okay. It is wild. It goes through all over the like the kind of 60s era. And you really, half the book is on Manson. The other half is like the personal odyssey that this author goes on. And if you've ever heard of the book Helter Skelter, mm-hmm. fundamentally, the one thing he does prove is that that book is a lie. And he oh. even confronts the author of that book through the journey. So I can't recommend <laughs> oh, this damn. enough. Chaos by Tom O'Neill and Dan Pippenberg. Uh, it's it's a great little piece of Zeitgeist history. And it fits in exactly with the timeline where Frank Herbert is writing this book. That's actually or perfect. Or at least the Dune series because it is like uh, 68, 69. Yeah. So, I mean, if you, if you try this free trial, you can always get the chaos like Derek recommends. And if at the end of these 30 days, if you know you don't really like the service, you can just you can opt cancel. out. You can yeah. cancel. They'll give you a little courtesy email. But any credits you spent, Mike, you get to keep those. That's true. Yeah, in you your get library to keep all those audiobooks into your collection forever. The app is free to listen on. The website's free to listen on as long as you have them in your collection. And hey, we know you guys love the value of a good book. You love Dune. We're going to help you get one of these free audiobooks. Again, visit audibletrial.com slash spiceworldpod. Always love it. You can, anywhere you guys go, it's going to be Spice World Pod. Yeah. So head over to audibletrial.com slash spiceworldpod. So guys, sorry for the interruption. Uh, Mike brings up a valid point here. We're discussing worms. Uh, And maybe we should address the fact that this might feel like a bit of a spoiler to you. But I assure you, for the rest of this book, none of this information is going to come up in Dune. Uh, And this is drawing largely from the rest of the series, as well as the encyclopedia. Uh, do you think there's anything I missed in that, Mike? No, before, but... Before we dive back into our no, conversation? No, I think that, that does it. It does it. So, but, and these, I guess this might uh, influence some of the conversations moving forward. So something to keep in mind. Yeah, yeah. But I, I hope you guys stick around for the ride for it. Uh, do, you, do you think I've gone too far? I mean, I think my world's been blown away. <laughs> but I don't... I mean, I'm glad I know. Glad you know. So. Especially if I'm not going to know for another what? You guys can burn through the books. I have to wait once <laughs> like, a week, whoa, one whoa. chapter a week. Mike, this came from a spoiler warning to a you rant. <laughs> I gotta cut you off. <laughs> I love it, though. <laughs> there, there. Have I told you that we can make plastics out of the spice? <laughs> <laughs> you manic man, you. But, uh, guys, uh, enjoy the conversation. Uh, and let me know if you disagree in any manner. Uh, and we look forward to hearing from you. <sighs> now, Mike. Are you ready to get back into some Dune? Yeah, I'm ready. So I got I got a deep dive that's a little different than our normal deep dives. Okay, how's it different? I got some handouts for you. So you, got some, <laughs> you got some papers. Where did these come from? <laughs> yep, I pulled some magic today. Okay. But I was um, looking in the back at the Shai Halud article. I didn't know how much we were going to be able to talk about. And then I turned the page. Okay. And I saw this other title, this other header. It's like, this makes no sense. And it was uh, Shai Halud. As Leviathan, which I was like, what? I didn't know Shai Halud had any acting credits. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> good for him. Very, that worm can show so much emotion in its face. <laughs> but they basically took in the book of Job, uh, I think it's chapter 41, is uh, God's power shown in creatures. In the and, Bible? In the Bible. In like, oh my, King, King James Bible, of course. Yeah, of course. I took the Gurney original. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is all about Leviathan, this monster that God had created that is just able to wreck everything. Mm. They took that chapter. They rewrote every verse, so 34 verses, and they basically made it in uh, this hymn to Shai Halud. Oh! So they're all worm-related. It's going to throw out a bunch of worm clues. Uh, several we've already hit in the book or we were introduced to in this chapter. 
Some are going to be a mystery uh, that we'll find out later in the book. So I'm interested to see how you uh, react to those. Okay. But I figured having it printed out, we could look at this, uh, and then I and also, there, there are, nothing's going to spoil like the the worm theory journey for the us, ones right? uh, the ones that do. I'm not going to answer for you. So okay. like they're going to just be really enigmatic, and I'm going to be interested to see what you think of them. Okay. Uh, okay. The ones where I can clarify for you, I totally will. So okay. this will be very straightforward. Okay. Uh, the other thing I got for us was I actually printed the book of Job one. So if you want to look at the correlation oh, between them. Okay. Yeah. Because okay. they do. Oh, they you, basically match up. Yeah. You, you've got little uh, points here with one to one. Okay. Well, that's, that's, that's verse number because the Bible is always done in verse number. Right. Uh, so that actually made it really easy to organize like that. That was happenstance and makes it look like I'm more organized than I actually am. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, uh, Mike, the most persistent thing in the universe is accident and error. <laughs> Accident. We man, we embody that here. <laughs> we do. Um, the error part, you mean? Yes. So uh, I think I'll read these maybe in like little batches of three or something. Okay, sure, sure, sure. And we'll go through. So yeah, how many are there? It's thirty-four. 34. Okay, yeah, maybe more than three. We'll see. Yeah, like I said, we'll, we're going to get to some cool ones. Let's burn through it. So him to shy halud. Canst thou draw out Leviathan with a hook or blind him with a mist? Canst thou lasso him by the horns or wilt thou rather harpoon him? I think that's pretty great. Uh, <laughs> would not do either of those with a worm. Damn. Uh, verse three. Will he crawl before thee in supplication? Will he speak soft words unto thee? So, so far, uh, we're very much uh, drawing out an, an image of it, a creature that's, I'm not getting any worm clues just yet. Right. We're sort of right. outlining and dancing around it. Uh, will he speak soft words unto thee is a harsh no, though. <laughs> well, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, wilt thou rather harpoon him? Can you harpoon a worm? <laughs> or like, like rather. If, if it was between la lasso and harpoon, yeah, I'm going to be in the harpoon group. Um, personally. Number four. So this is going to really hit home. Will he let thee ride upon his back? Wilt thou take him for thy bearer forever? Mm. That one's pretty sweet. And uh, if you go to the book of Job, the verse four in that one is, uh, will he make a covenant with thee? Will thou take him for a servant forever? Ooh. So I love that's how easy it is for them to kind of rewrite this and turn it into worm riding okay. versus like uh, dominating that beast, right? Right. Uh, so we go on. Wilt thou play with him as a sand trout or wilt thou presently present thy maidens to him? A sand trout. Play with him as a sand trout. <laughs> I don't think of worms and playing with them, like, going into the same oh, sentence. Oh, shit. I'm so sorry. Do you know what a sand trout is? No. Sand trout is a little maker. What? The the okay. half, half? All right, we need to, like, really... We just got to get through this. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. I, I want to dive into it. As, yeah, 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 this. yeah. Um, But I'll tell you, so one of the things the Fremen do is they actually play with the sand trout. They kind of come... You can get one to... They're attracted to water. So if you put a little water on the surface, a little sand trout will come up and try to take it, and you can poke a stick with it, and, like, it'll wrap around the stick. And then they just play with it. He doesn't really do much. It's just like this weird little. What the fuck? It's like a weird amoeba flat kind of fishy thing. And then it burrows down to the sand. Uh, but they always take the water away. Uh, so that's why you would play with it. Which is weird though. Uh, and then present it to thy maidens. I have no idea. Uh, just like. I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Number six. Uh, gets weird. Shall he join with you in orgy? Or wilt thou <laughs> confine. Or wilt thou confine him in a cistern? Any thoughts on that? <laughs> That's that's one of those. Uh, I can't really talk to you about this, but I did make an orgy joke. Remember way yeah, back? Yeah, or you said something about oh, is that the orgy room? Yeah, we were talking about like. And I promised you it makes sense later. It's coming. Okay. And but confined that him? what that what couldn't have been the the what was that in the original Bible? Oh, uh, verse six. Uh, Shall the companions make a banquet of him? Shall they part him among the merchants? 
Oh, I like that banquet. Okay, that's a cool like uh, well, like eating him is what it's talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, well, I think uh, and then I think this Fremen. Wow, I don't want. Well, like, will you take him into your own body, or will you sell him off for profit? I can Well, yeah, yeah. But I also think because uh, we're changing it for the Fremen part of it a little bit. Like the orgy is very much a merging and a bringing within of everything. So I think that sort of like banquet is like taking it into you is how they're interpreting Wait, it what? for the Fremen. Wait, I can't, I can't give you too many answers without a. Uh, it's not a one to one correlation. Like it is different from how they're talking about Leviathan. But I just think. What I'm saying is the way they use orgy is, I think, a fun play on the words there, if okay. that makes sense. I um, mean, I, this is going to go over me, I think. Yeah, just that part. Okay. So, canst thou fill his skin with barbed irons or set thy hooks behind his head? Ah! See? Like, that's not going to go over you, right? No, no, you no, get I that. get that. At, after what I explained to you, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, That's propping open its ring segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, number eight, dance toward him on the drum sand to make him thy partner. Thumper brings you a worm, mm-hmm. makes him your partner. Number nine, behold the, <laughs> actually, so this one. They, I love uh, that this is not even like using a thumper. It's just walk in some drum sand, bring him over to you. Oh, I wonder if that was before they had the thumper. Probably before thumpers. Yeah, yeah, this is going to be yeah. like an ancient uh, kind of song. So number nine, it did tell me in the encyclopedia, is meant to be like um, casting shade on the outworlder. Um, so it says, behold, the hope of the outworld, the outlander is in vain. Shall not one lose water even at the sight of him? And uh, the <laughs> book of Job one is, behold, the hope of him is in vain. Shall not one be cast down even in the sight of him? And uh, the feeling I get from the Fremen one is that I think you just pee your pants. Yeah, that's what that I was saying. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's totally what that means. You see this worm, and you're just like, "There's nothing." You're gonna pee your pants. You're gonna cry. You're gonna sweat. Like you're losing. You're all- literally just going to lose all your moisture. <laughs> you might vomit even. Who knows? I love that all those things become like you're just losing moisture. But no, those are three emotional responses, man. Yeah. Uh, you're leaking everywhere. <laughs> Number ten. Uh, none is so fierce that dare stir him up. Who shall wave a rag before his face? Mm. Um, we're going to come to find that a rag is something like um, you might wave to signify peace or that you're part of a certain sketch or something. Okay. So we're sort of like trying to bargain with him. Like, no, there's, you don't do that to this, uh, this fierce beast. <laughs> 11. Who else hath inspired me that I should repay him? Because of him, I am the greatest under all the heavens. Ooh. That is like, I think, the strengthening of the Fremen where they're adapting mm. to this environment. 12. I will not conceal his length, nor his power, nor his great beauty. I like that. Um, and then, uh, that actually correlates to the book of Job where I will not conceal his parts, nor his power, nor his comely proportion. So, and the book of Job is talking about God's power in creatures. God, it's talking about the Leviathan, the which, Leviathan itself, which is like this mystical great creature. So God, uh, he had created a male and a female Leviathan. He had oh. to destroy the female though. Cause what? he realized if they procreated, they were just going to destroy everything. <laughs> so he goes back on that plan and like, well, less Leviathans is good. Uh, you just need one. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Even just then, just uh, kill the woman. Why not? Right. I mean, it's God. very Bible. I have guess. You met the, have you met this man? <laughs> That's how he works. <laughs> Did he take a rib from this Leviathan? He's <laughs> like, oh God, what the fuck? And then he kills the, the females. Oh God, what the fuck? Not allowed. Why he's just like, but one Leviathan can stay. <laughs> That's fine. It's just you know, I'm only gonna erase this one. We continue yes. on. Uh, okay. Thirteen. Who can discover his buried treasures? All are hidden in the dust together. That's going to be mm. very, I think, spice. Yeah. 14. I love 14. Who dare enters the doors of his face? His teeth are terrible. The doors roundabout. of his face. <laughs> yeah. What? Which is what Paul and Jessica were just looking yeah, into, Yeah, like the right? giant, like, like empty black. Mm-hmm. And then 15. 
His rings are his pride, shut up together as with the closed seal. Mm. That's going to be, again, and this kind of hammers home with like uh, the next one. Uh, 16. One is so near to another that no dust can come between them. So again, that's hammering home how they ride it and right. how that worm treats to that. So yeah. what is it? What is this in the original then? Because that seems very specific to an Arrakis worm. Sure. So it's going to be um, 15, 16 is going to go 15. His scales are his pride, shut up together as with a closed seal. Oh, wow, that's actually 16. really close. One is so near to another that no air can come between them. Uh, I believe his, uh, the Leviathan, is like a sea serpent. Okay. Kind of deal. Uh, but yeah, that's weird that it's air. Yeah. This is continuing Book of Joe, but we haven't gotten ahead there, but now we're on this Leviathan track. Uh, 17. They are joined one, one to another. They stick together that they cannot be sundered. And uh, we're met with that. It's our Dune version, 17. His scales are joined one to another. They stick together that they cannot be sundered. Okay, pretty, pretty, pretty dead on. Yeah, pretty dead on. 18. By his sneezings, a light doth shine. From his belly comes the fire of God. What? Wait, what? By his sneezings, a light... A light doth shine. Do worms sneeze? I guess so. I don't know what to make of that either. That's gotta be some archaic use of that word that's like... uh you know, changed a little bit into yes. how we think of it. From his belly comes the fire of God. Oh, is it, is it, are they talking about like the acids within a worm? Uh, well, I, like they, I told you, no, because remember I told you before, there's always like a little, there is an internal furnace in him. Oh and, yeah. You mentioned that. That's yeah. right. And you said you'd seen some pictures. Like that's what they're so referring wait, why to. Why do they, why is there a furnace inside a worm? Like, why does it have to be that hot? Do they melt everything that they consume? Um, yeah. Like, yeah. Why is it so hot? I guess. It's basically when the worm is moving through the ground, uh, it creates a static charge around it. And that's part of what does the chemical interplay in it. And um, it gets so hot oh. from that friction and that interchange. And the way it gets nutrients is it's turning inorganic compounds into gases. And those gases are what it's actually feeding on. God damn it. Yeah, these things are wild, Mike. There's Wait. no, the digger, the deeper we go, the harder it's going to get for you to solve. Is that a spoiler at all? What? The, the fact that, like, they eat their, like, they produce their own food? No, no, that they uh, they turn inorganic into organic? Yeah. No. Like, I mean, what kind of a spoiler is that? I don't know. The worms are never the point. Uh, okay, so. Of, oh, like, the, of, like, this whole bunch. Which makes me, okay, okay. It's fine, irritating, right? Yeah, but yeah. you see what I'm saying? Like, that's where people get caught up on spoilers, where I'm like, that is true, but, like, that's not the point of the story. And all you're going to do is, at one point, someone's going to tell you, oh, they turn gases into an organic thing. And that's it. Like, there's no greater revelation from this. Oh, my God. That kind of bugs me, actually. They're just a really cool part of it. He just made like this really intricate mystery that's just set in that the world. doesn't matter apparently to the narrative as a whole. Yeah, I mean it really doesn't though, right? Oh my god, that I'm angry. Like half the things you really want to know have nothing to do with Paul Atreides. Okay, so wait. All right, so the okay, so this is. Ugh, I kept wondering what the worms eat. How can such a big creature survive without having like a solid food source? Yep. They produce their own food. Ye oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the big mystery. But oh, wait, are the worms themselves half plant or is it just the little makers that are half? Are little makers and big makers the same thing? <laughs> uh, 19. Because. <laughs> yeah, I got it. No, I, because it would make sense because uh, I think a plant's producing their own food. Like uh, with photosynthesis. Through photosynthesis. Yeah. Do I mean, it's not exactly photosynthesis, right, right. but it's a similar function. Yeah. That the worms do, which makes yes. me think, are the worms also half plant in a way? Yes. Ah! Yes. You, yeah. Ah. Mike, you're fucking, you're good at this. Oh my God. You know what's interesting to you? Hold on, I just want to say, you're a frustrated detective, but you're a good detective, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm what you, me and Gurney can set our own little yeah, club together. Yeah, we'll the other side. <laughs> or whatever Gurney you find. He's good detective. I'm bad detective. <laughs> yeah. But okay, here's here's an interesting idea. Uh-huh. So they create. I, I don't want to get too bogged down on this. I know we're running. Hot, well, look. we're clapped at this point. Yeah. But. Oh, that's. I'll probably. Oh, uh, <laughs> are we not including it? any of this? <laughs> You're the fucking editor. Oh. I don't care. <laughs> I was just telling you, you clapped to ask me this question. <laughs> I'm gonna cry. <laughs> but okay, so <laughs> I would love to be like, by law, I have to cut this. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So one that's just fucking amazing. Uh-huh. But two, they create. Uh, they create the energy to create their food just by kinetic motion more or less that static electricity from them passing through the sand mm-hmm. more or less yeah so do you think that the fremen based the designs on the still suit working off of kinetic motion to power it based off of the worms no 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 one they would have never had the scientific understanding of the worms until the last generation okay oh so part of it's one would be like oh by the way this is how this works whereas the rest of the fremen would be like God is here. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, I think you're right on that. Okay. But I think that's really interesting too, then, that they do both function in a similar manner. Um, I I see the correlation you're making. I think uh the one is purely mechanical, being like the suit, and then the other is a little more of like an interplay between like, No, because the static is mechanical. The worm doesn't control static electricity happening there, does it? Okay, but well, then I would say like the worm has to rub up against another surface though. The sand. Yeah, yeah. But like and then the suit is like a contained entity. But I get that you're saying the person I'm who, just saying kinetic yeah, yeah, motion is what yeah. is powering. I, I can these give processes. you uh I can give you the author, definitely, but not like the uh, in universe. Okay. Like I think Frank was building off maybe like two of this had this similar idea. Right, right, right. Yeah, I mean like yeah. no, okay, no, I give you that the still suit isn't based off of that. Like the friend been looking at a, yeah. a maker's like, that's how we're gonna do it. Yeah, yeah. But I do think it's so interesting that both the worm and the Fremen use kinetic motion to provide their body the nutrients they need to survive. Yeah, and in a way, the still suit also turns it all into a gas. Oh, it does, it, doesn't it? Right, yeah, it's all vapor Yeah, layers. Yeah, yeah, so that's kind of cool. That but is like, really cool. And that is like worm skin. A worm, basically those outer Wait, segments. Wait, what? No, like uh, the, worm, the outer segments, it's moving gases through it. So it basically is like it has layers. They're called baffles. Oh, the worm skin itself. I thought yeah. you were telling me that still suits were made no, out of worm skin. No. I thought we established that they were like yes. made out of spice or something. Whoa, shit. whoa, whoa, Mike. Still cloth. Still cloth. <laughs> but isn't still cloth made out of spice? Uh, I think it might ultimately be a spice derivative, but it just they always put still in front of everything. Yeah. So like you just get that little bit. Is Stilgar's name just Gar? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Or he is uh, super absorbent. I don't. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. My blood pressure is through the roof. Let's finish this list. Okay. I think I have to. Uh, all right. <laughs> Moving on to nineteen. Uh, we got past the sneezings. <laughs> out, out of his mouth goeth cinnamon breath to the blasting of thy nostrils, which I think we have to hit nineteen of uh, the other one in uh, the Book of Job. Yeah. Like cinnamon. Clearly, you don't mention cinnamon. Yeah, but yeah. Out of his mouth go burning lamps and sparks of fire leapt out. Oh, that's pretty badass for Leviathan. So this Leviathan is more or less a dragon. Yeah. Well, yeah, um, they go off of how like the biblical monster is kind of vague and it does. Uh, there are many other interpretations of it. And dragon mm. was one of them of like medieval dragon slaying. Yeah. yeah. Boom. Leviathan. Def- I definitely get that idea. Kind of all built off of that. Uh, 20 in uh, a hymn to Shai Halud. A burning lamp glows within his mouth. Sparks of crystal leap about it. Ooh. And that's going to be the Chris knives. Yeah. I love that. A fire burns in his passage, and a furnace flares out from his tail. That might be true. 
Uh, I don't remember the last time he mentions a worm tail, so uh, I'm gonna hold out on that one. But he okay. definitely has something like there's something at the end of the right, right. <laughs> the re- oh, uh, also remember before you asked me how many rig segments there are? Yeah, 100 to 400 <gasps> in an adult male. What? 100 to and 400. you would have to like stun them all simultaneously to yep. incapacitate. Oh. You're never going to incapacitate a worm. You're just going to have to... That was pretty much what Zufir <laughs> told you, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I guess you can. You just tire it out. But they don't know how to do that. Well, the Fremen do. Yeah. Oh, the Fremen can yeah. do that. Yeah. Dude, Fremen... Oh, I can't tell you. Oh! I love those moments, but, but yeah. Oh, man. So, the oh, yeah. So, oh, man, that's incredible to think about. Over 400? Or up well, to 400? 100 to 400. But what? even still, 100. That's a crazy amount of segments that you'd have to go in I like thought that. it was going to be like 40 or something like that. Right, something reasonable? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, completely unreasonable. That's insane. 22. He moveth his tail like a whirlwind. Sorrow is swallowed up in the vortex of his joy. That's pretty great. Oh. I like that one. Uh, and I would love to see a worm go like crazy ape shit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you just flick on a shield. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no one does it. There's so like afraid to. Twenty three. Each ring segment has it has a life of its own. His rings are firm in themselves; they cannot be moved. Mm. Love that. So we know where that's coming from, right? Each one is independently alive, like right. you were just talking about with uh, um, shocking I, them. I think when I was talking about this uh, in an earlier chapter about mm-hmm. uh, you know like earthworms have five hearts and you can oh, chop yeah, them up. Yeah, yeah. So I was inaccurate on that. I did some research on it after the fact. There is a worm where as long as there is a portion of it left, it will regrow the rest of the worm. But it wasn't earthworms. Have you ever heard of a bobbit worm? No. So these things are massive. They get to about three meters long. Jesus. That's and a snake. they've got teeth on them. I, like, they are super fast. They basically chop fish in two because of how quickly how quickly they bite. Uh-huh. But if you chop a bobbit worm in several parts at an aquatic store, a bobbit worm was accidentally uh, handled incorrectly, and it, ac- it got, like, chopped in half pretty much. I don't know how you accidentally handled it that it got chopped in half, but it was chopped into three parts. Yeah, I feel like there's a cover up here, right? But we, we can't look into this. I guess the smaller tail segment like died and rotted, but the other halves both uh, lived on independently of one another. Oh, so it got into like thirds. Yeah, into thirds. Okay. And two. And the two of them kept living. Oh, oh man, th- that's a fucked up surprise. It is, but apparently these bobbit worms can reproduce asexually and create clones of themselves just by being chopped in half like that. Is that what happened? Yeah. In that circumstance? Yeah. Wow. That's unreal. That? So they can produce asexually and sexually. They can actually change themselves to do that. That just makes me on this tangent in my head, just being like, what the fuck is a soul then? (laughs) Clearly, it's not what I think it is. Yeah. And there are other worms that actually fragment into multiple sections to develop new animals in their own right. That bobbit worm thing is great. Having two form and then be like, well, I guess we're mating. And I just, I'm just going to give you a quick picture of uh, why their teeth are so terrifying. These will bite humans. Oh, okay. That is not a worm is how I imagined a worm. That is a goddamn centipede. That thing looks <laughs> terrible. They're aquatic. Ah, uh, I wanted a gooey, like, friendly earthworm. That was just three <laughs> feet wrong. No, yeah, it looks like a monster from the abyss. <laughs> yeah. I would run. That is a leviathan, I think. Yeah, I would say that's a leviathan. That is wild. Good, good to bring that up. Uh, I like how that's a twofold correction at this point. Yeah, pretty much. Hey. I just, I got it. No, that's really cool. Oh, and then it just cuts worm fish in half. Yeah. So gnarly. That is a good little uh, a worm dive, if you will. Uh, <laughs> oh. It's bringing other worms into the mix. So I think that puts us up to 24 now. Because, yeah, that was, you were going off a ring segment. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Life of its own. Uh, 24. 
Let him not roll upon thee. Thou shall be ground as the grain on another millstone. Love that. Yeah, don't let your worm flip over. Keep him upright. <laughs> he will not care. They don't like that. <laughs> um, 25. When he writheth up himself, the mighty are afraid. His speed squeezeth Baca from them. <laughs> what? Um, I think Baca, if you can go to your glossary, okay, uh, that's going to be in the back of the book. And um, I think that is like, um, it's going to be like tears. And is, uh, I want to say like the religious man that cries. Because remember the other one was like, um, I want to say like a Baraka. Baraka is the one in there. It was like the holy religious man. holy yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, uh, Baraka, so- yeah. In Fremen Legend, the weeper who mourns for all mankind. What? Go. The weeper? The weeper. Is that like one of their gods? Uh, I mean, it must just be maybe a, like kind of a religious symbol. Damn. Kind of deal. Okay. Much how like, you know, we would use the word the stranger or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe like the sleeper. We have the weeper. Uh, so wait, his speed squeezeth Baca from them? When he rises up, the mighty are afraid. Oh, yeah, I think so. With, just be, basically because of how like scary he is, like well, and I think just the sheer size and how quick it moves. Yeah. Y- yep. Tears gone. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're just like people all, start leaking. All things are over. Because I mean, think about when Paul and Jessica were running. Mm-hmm. That thing is like a skyscraper, right? Moving towards you like a freight train. Mm. Uh, that brings us to twenty-six. The sword of him that striketh at him will turn aside. The knife, the slip tip, nor the kinjaw. Yeah, Ooh. so you're not piercing a worm. Nope, doesn't matter. It's just going to ting, look off to the side. Oh and I like God. that it gives us kind of the same, the knives of this universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to see the slip tip later on. So we can worms bite and kill each other? Um, like, yeah, yeah, they could potentially. Generally, when they do, they use their, their teeth are right. only used to fight each other. Okay. Oh, that really? Is... Oh, yeah, because they don't... Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Like, what wow. Are... Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't that. even think about that now. <laughs> Another thing to be angry about. Like, literally, yeah. though. Wow. Yeah. It's only there as a defensive mechanism for territory. That's incredible. Have, there's no prey, and they don't use it for digging. So... When the Fremen make their Chris knives, do they just be like, oh, we found like a worm tooth. We're going to. Oh, okay. That one, I have no answers. Yeah. I don't know. How the fuck do you get from A to B on that? Because the one, the, the, the teeth are like meters long. And right. And we make a little dagger out of it. It's got to be like, you know, like, oh, it, you know, it shed and it lost the tooth. Like, let's, let's carry this it's back. Lost the tooth. Like baby teeth <laughs> yeah. are just everywhere. Yeah, right. Let's carry this one back. Uh, or do you just tucker it out until it can't move anymore and just and like pull some teeth out? <laughs> yeah. Like, both get your giant wrench. Both do not seem like how the Fremen would operate. Um, <laughs> Um, there is like one third thing uh, that I can't tell you about that might be the solution, but I don't know if that's it either. I feel like it would be like if a, a worm tooth just sort of came out and like, <laughs> just you what? How's that hard to imagine? Shark teeth like fly out all the time. Yeah, but like so, so imagining I'm just imagining it's like you know it's probably like five meters long, right? So you're driving this worm, let's say on the sand, a tooth falls out. You like you stop the worm? No, I don't think you stop it. But what if you just happen upon it in the desert? Oh, okay. Well, I think if they generally lost teeth, they'd be, I don't think you no, stop no, the train to go you, and pick if, up like if a piece of If they generally lost teeth, though, I think they would either end up swallowing it into their mouth because of the way they're going, right? Or it'd be like a hundred meters underground, right? Kind of deal. All right, I'm back to the dentist theory then. Back to the dentist. <laughs> I I like this idea though. Yeah, either, man, just coming across a tooth of a worm would be—it's insane. Um, <laughs> and I'm just looking over the logistics of how you then move that back to base. This giant crystal tooth. Um, the way back uh, growing up, there's this good Looney Tunes little bit of like one of the random cartoons, and uh, it was it was a commentary on industrialization. And I don't remember the bits of it, but I do remember very specifically. You go inside this factory. And this truck's coming in. It's got all these big tree logs, like to cut trees on it. Mm-hmm. And it takes off one big tree trunk, 
loads like, it in, grinds it down to like a toothpick. Yeah, 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 yeah. It yeah, gets yeah. like put up on like a little uh, lathe. Yeah, and just grinds it down to one toothpick. Like, ah, oh, perfect. Ding, and then put it <laughs> in the toothpick box. I want that to be how a Christmas knife is made. I so bad. I really don't think it should be in like that comically. <laughs> All right, um, twenty-seven. He esteemeth the shields as thumpers. Yea, the pseudo shields as uh, pume flies. Pume? I don't know what that is either. Uh, but I do get the point of that, though. Shields are thumpers. Right. Pseudo shields are just, you know, are just like a little like, I think when they say pseudo shields, too, we also mean like physical shields in that they're just useless to him. They don't. He doesn't even notice. Right. It'd be like little flies buzzing around your head. Just like that's so minuscule and pathetic. Uh, but shields are thumpers. The lays gun cannot make him fee. He turneth the stunners into stubble. So neither. Is it supposed to be flee? No, no. I checked the text in the uh, book. Do you think um, maybe that was a typo? No, no. Like in my oh. actual physical copy, yeah. I'll give you the the PDF has typos all over. Um, but if we go into, but do you th- I mean that you think that was just a typo into print? Ah, uh, potentially. You're you're right. In the because King, the original it says flee, and King James I don't know why you'd change it to fee for whatever reason. Mm, yeah, you, you might be right then. Uh, cannot make him flee. He turneth the stunners into stubble. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right there. Because the other one is the arrow cannot make him flee. Mm. Sling stones are turned with him into stubble. Mm. I love that. So like, uh, the yeah, stun- I feel like that was uh, a typo. That makes sense. Uh, and then the stunner shoots a little projectile. Remember, mm-hmm. either a dart or like a little pellet. Right. And so right. that would be the same as like a slingshot hitting him. Yeah. So both these are just ping pong. Don't do anything to him. So, oh, the storms, the wind that eateth flesh cannot harm him. He laugheth at the Coriolis storm. He laugheth in the Coriolis storm. Yep. And uh, I love that. If you go back to the King James one there, so that's 29. Yeah. Darts are counted as stubble. He laugheth at the shaking of a spear. So they keep on with the weapons going. And right. We kind of switch over to like, no, this worm laughs at nature in the hymn to Shai Halud. Well, not just nature, like the most destructive force we can imagine right now. Right, but I mean that is like the the most harsh form of nature yeah. that this, this planet has to yeah, offer. Yeah, yeah. Can't even stop this worm. He laughs at it and revels in the Coriolis storm. Number thirty: sharp mountains rise above him. He spreads rivers of sand about him. So like, yeah, the mountains can stop him, mm. but he will flood everything with sand basically to get around it. Thirty-one: he maketh the sandpan to boil like a pot. His hissing filleth the morning. Like, yep. 32. He maketh path through the deep desert. His passage cleanseth the world. So that's very, that uh, makes me think of Kynes when he started saying, you know, bless the maker and his water. Bless the coming and going of him. May his passage cleanse the world. Ah. May he keep the world for his people. Okay. There you go. Cleanse the world. 33. Upon dune, there is not his like, for he maketh. The water of life. The water of life. The water of life. That is going to be critically important, Mike. So as we get to the end. The, of the only story. thing I know about water of life is that you told me I wasn't allowed to look at it in the glossary. So that's yeah. one of the few things that I've just like that was a, put that was, out of mind. Yeah, it was a hard. You uh, gave me a little list of like, do not look at these. Hard like, stop right. on the glossary game. Uh, I can also tell you on the um, when the movie came out, mm-hmm. uh, Water of Life. They were given a two-page uh, glossary going into the movie. Right, Water of Life was on the bottom. If you were to read that description and go into a movie, I think you would just turn around and walk out. I'm just like, I don't even think I want to be in for this. Of like, <laughs> really? It's just so fucking weird and like, oh, uh, it's great. Okay. We're we're gonna love it when we get there. But I just <laughs> think for a moviegoer, right, if right. you are reading that cold, not knowing anything about Dune, mm-hmm. you're just be like, what? 
no, just here, here you go. Here's a paperback. I'm just like, keep this. I don't even want to know. Um, and we get to our last one, 34. He is the chief of the ways of God. He is Shai Halud, the old father eternity. And that is our hymn to Shai Halud. Oof, old father eternity. That's really cool. So. What was it, the original then? That was very, those last two were very specific. Oh, sure. Um, oh, upon earth, not Dune. So. <laughs> <laughs> never mind. <laughs> you got that one. 33, and this is from the book of Job. Upon earth there is not his like, who is made without fear. 34. He beholdeth all high things. He is a king over all the children of pride. Ooh. Ooh I like that. That's even really crazier. Over all the children of and because, pride. Because, like, even in his presence, you have to be humbled. There's, like, no way you can't be. Oh, I was thinking, because isn't, isn't, uh, isn't, wait, is pride one of the sins? It is, yeah. Yeah, okay, I think that's kind of why I'm saying, like, over, like, these people that are prideful, like, he would be, like, reigning over these sinners, maybe, in some way. But, well, I, th- I, or you're I thinking, think more it, of the idea, like, even if you are, like, you're, uh, small, you're small before him, no yeah, matter how big you think exactly. you are. I think, yeah, yeah, I see that entirely. All right, so I told you I wanted to get through that. Oh, man. Just as basically a bridge into worm theory. Whoa, okay, yeah. So you, if you have any questions. So we interrupted a little bit of that that I had to like just dive into. Ooh. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, because this adds just a little bit more. It clarifies some of it a little bit. So is there anything that we haven't touched on then you want to like rip into? Because I think I'm pretty good on telling you most things about worms at this point. Because uh, we're not going to really explore them anymore, it, are we? It doesn't really come up as a, a point in the book from this point on. The, that wor- the worms infuriates aren't, me still. It should. I mean, you just love them. You get a little bit. I'm just telling you, like, they're not the focal point of the story. I know. Paul Atreides and the Kwisatch Hot- Hotterock is the point of our story. And I get that, but the worms, there. Yeah, we have a semi-mystical deity we need to tango with <laughs> before we talk about the native life on this planet, this animal. Oh, this worm. Like when you said a semi-mystical deity, I didn't know if you were talking about Paul or the worm. <laughs> I know, right? Whichever one. What do you wanna what do you wanna open up here about worms? We had a lot in uh, the chapter and then what we just went through. I think so, we, we gotta talk about little makers, big makers. Okay. So my understanding was if it's called a maker, is it the worm are they the same creature, more or less, just in different states of like their uh uh no, so they use lifespan. they use maker as worm. Um Little Maker, I guess, would be part of its lifespan. So, so the, the Little Makers... It's probably like when a like a little baby worm is born, more or less. So they're more complicated than that. Oh, well, ultimately, the full lifespan, Mike, I think I'm going to wait to the end of the book to go into with you. Okay. And uh, we'll do like... Maybe that will be our panel... Or not a panel, our, our ultimate uh, between two dudes. When we're between Dune and Dune Messiah. Well, okay. We, we hash out the full life cycle. But ultimately, the Sand Trout is our little baby worm. Okay. The Sand Trout which are the little makers, become worms, ultimately. So the pre-spice mass that they create is sort of basically like, uh, that's like the caviar. That is like little spice. More or less baby. Wait, what? The pre-mass? The sp- What? The pre-spice mass. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's like, wait, did I organize those words the pre-spice right? mass. Yes. That is created by the little makers. Yes. Is basically worm caviar, yes. worm babies, worm eggs, actually. Yes, eggs is tough. Well, basically, like they create this little thing that will become more sand trout, but it's not like they hatch from an egg. Is all that would be. So wait, then is the little maker the end of a worm's life? Wait, what? Keep keep going. So is the little maker the end of a worm's lifespan if they're reproducing in that way? 
Ah, young Mike, young Mike, you think this is a linear cycle. It's not all A to B. Worms. Okay, so that's, is the big worm a that's divergent be, path of the sand trap? That's going to be why this is like impossible for you to solve without more information. Like, it's not a direct line. If that's what you're trying to no, okay. So then maybe the little make is the little maker more of the primary like creature, and that the big worm is sort of a byproduct of. Oh, you said you didn't know how the big worms got there though, or evolved. Ultimately, ultimately, but I, but I knew know like how you make a new big worm. Uh, you know, does it, it have to do with it takes a it takes a thousand years to make an adult worm? Oh my god, what? Oh, I, I said it takes a thousand <laughs> years to make an adult worm. Oh. Yeah, it takes a long time. Okay. They're not born overnight. No, no, no. Not. <laughs> they, t- they take some time. They grow. That's how you get So is it a segments. little maker that doesn't have the presence of water somehow? Sort of. Sort of. Because the little makers are attracted to water. They yeah. like want water. They need water, more or less. Yeah, and they like, to, they like to package it off and isolate it. And then they do their little reproductive cycle. Mm-hmm. Then that builds up that CO2. That builds up the thing. Then that bursts and that blows up, right? And then that uh, that spice mat pre-spice mass oxidizes and becomes spice. Spice melange, yep. And it's sort of spread out. And so when that happens, that oxidized matter, that's like the leftover. That's like what the like imagine in an egg. You have a yolk and the uh, what's the other part in an egg? I feel like this is already falling apart. This example. <laughs> <laughs> The egg white. Is there a word for that? That's what there I is a word for it. I don't but, know. So it. one part will develop to be the chicken. Right. One part is just the food the source. The, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of like what the melange spice is. That was just the little food source around that was creating this new little sand trout. It bursts up. That explosion rains over. Remember how I told you there were little leather bits in the spice when you sucked it all up? I don't remember that. When we did our deep dive of spice mining, there was like this other matter that they pulled up. That's oh, you did mention something along those lines. That's dead sand trout. Holy sh! So you yank all those guys up. Within that matter, um, little like polyps of uh, new sand trout are formed, and they just boop, 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 and squirm off. And then that new worm comes and just roop eats this whole little spice mass and goes about its business because it made a big thumping noise. Right, and it's not there for the uh, for the food or anything. It's just there. Like, There's something here. Exactly. Rawr. Exactly. It's sort of like uh, it's not even trying to eat. It's just it processes the sand when it travels. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a big like uh, that's a big red herring. Like that was never the point of why the worm goes there. That's not how the reproductive cycle works. The worm eating it. But you can't help but focus on that when you learn those facts. Right. 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 Of right. you thinking there must be a reason the worm's coming here. He's just coming to investigate the sound. Do you know what actually happened before that? is a pregnant female worm went there. In her front section, her front rig segment, right. is, or I'm sorry, the front one is the mouth. The second one that forms becomes the reproductive segment. There's a node in the oh. top of it where a little egg sac forms. When she is ready and that egg sac's developed, she goes to a place where she's gonna build her nest. And she's like, this is a good nest area. She then crawls up and goes to the surface. Half of her body extends straight up into the sky. She then, boom, slams down onto the ground. She erects to halfway up. Well, boom, slams down to the ground. Worms are coming from every direction. She calls the males. The Fremen noted that. That's what they built the thumper to replicate, is a mating call of a worm. Oh, my God. So the worm does that. Do you know what happens next when the male worm shows up? No. He eats the female worm. (laughs) Nama, 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 nama. In doing so... He eats her reproductive segment, which has this egg sac. The egg sac is like 
um, surrounded in spice in some manner. Some like spice. Uh, Is it capsule. somehow like uh, exempt from the? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Pure magic. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pure magic. It, and then it goes into the male reproductive segment. And it stays there. And basically, like, it causes this change in the mailworm where now the mailworm's like, oh, I'm so full. Like, and he just stays by the nest. He's just like, I don't want to leave for some reason. And it just, like, generates in him. And then eventually, uh, he, uh, I think, oh, what does he do? Oh, he either coughs it up or he breaks down at that point and becomes, like, this pretty spice mess. And then the little makers come. Oh, my God. And do their thing. Where do you uh, find this? Is this information in the book or is this the, all in it, it takes like the whole series to build this whole thing up. Oh it my really, God. we really dive into it in Children of Dune. That's where the sand trout really get their uh, screen time. Okay. So that's why I don't feel bad diving into this now. Like I'm not ruining too much for you, Dune. Maybe, maybe you should have a little bit of a preface before we dive into this. Well, this is all from our encyclopedia, ultimately, is where I'm drawing from this article from. But like Frank builds it up slowly. Over the course. Okay. Um, so then uh, do you want to preface this with a spoiler? I, I, I think if we if they get into this, like, uh, I, don't, I don't think it's worthwhile for a spoiler. Like, it's going to be like the grandma thing where right now where I think you're. Oh, but I think you should preface it as that. So someone doesn't get to this point and be like, oh, no, even if it isn't a big thing. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I think I, I kind of botched. I'm missing a little bit of the male worm into what he does with the egg sack, but I think it's for the best. Uh, to leave a little vagueness here, a little mystery that we can still unravel. Uh, but ultimately, that's what a spice mass, uh, pre-spice mass blow is, and then turns into the spice and creates new worms and such. Mm. Uh, and then I, so that's what the pre-mass spice blow is. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! What's up? I mean, you have any what question? No, Anything? no, no. Okay, so so that's how you Blink get little thought. makers, more or less. Or wait. It creates more little makers. So there's multiple ways to get little makers. Yeah, and I, I'm leaving out the part where a little maker becomes a worm intentionally. Okay. Okay. That, that, that'll be sort of our special thing, Bob, later. Yeah, yeah. That'll be a point worth touching on later. Okay. Uh, and is like, it's weird and a little more intricate than I want to get into right, right now. Right. right I want right. to just be able to tell you what a pre spice mass is and oh, how man. that becomes melange. And then kind of technically what melange is in an effect. Like, it's a byproduct of this whole thing. Right. right? It's, and, but somehow it, when it, reacts with creature like non-worm creatures it has crazy like side effects yeah yeah That's everything neat. about it is weird uh and the fact that it needs to ox it has to be oxygenized like yeah it's, it's really so cool imagine if arrakis didn't have oxygen as one of its primary things what would this melange like what would this even be it wouldn't right. be melange exactly yeah yeah oh. it would just be whatever it is initially when it comes out before that happens uh that's that's wild wow so yeah so yeah the spice is literally just like uh what is it ricotta it's like a byproduct of mozzarella oh, jesus okay yeah <laughs> sure yeah blah <laughs> <Delicious. But> no, <laughs> i'm just like it's like you don't really realize it's like oh yeah i guess we do have this thing at it's the end just of like, it. you know, like the texture of ricotta it's just gross <laughs> <laughs> it's just like plum that's ricotta <laughs> get a ricotta vacuum <laughs> yeah. we need to get this stat Ew. oh god <laughs> yeah that's all it is <laughs> goop um, all right, well, what else you got for worm? Any worm questions? Any lingering worm? We've, we've totally. <laughs> I mean, you kind of, I mean, we blew answered through a lot. a lot of big ones. Answered a lot, yep. Told you how the hooks work, essentially. What is the point of a worm nest, I guess? The the nest is just, in that sense, is just sort of like where the, mo- like, it chooses to, like, do the spice blast. I don't, I don't think there's anything too significant. Like, is it looking for a certain habitat? Is that what you mean? Or... 
I mean, yeah, like, I guess, what's the point? Because they're always traveling, right? Like, right. They don't like, need to form a, a natural nest to go no, back no, to. Like, where, no, wherever it stops. I'm just saying, like, wherever that mother stops and starts thumping, like, yeah. that is the nest. Okay. So, I so think we, it's, it's like a the colloquial it's a temp- nest. Yeah, it's okay. temporary. Even as soon as, like, that whole process is done, the sand trout just leave. So, like, it's not like something we're coming to or migrating to regularly. I think we're just using it as a term for where she stops to finally do this act. Now, Fremen don't have an understanding of aquatic, like, terms, but they understand the term trout. Interesting. Valid point. I thought that was weird. That is very weird. Yeah. I got nothing to help okay. you with, but <laughs> you're, you're right. Yeah. yeah. And they're the only ones that would really know either. Okay, they... but to be fair, Pardot might have been the one who named him. But the song I, uses it. Yeah, it's like an ancient song. Yep. Yep. I'll give McNally, you McNally, someone got lazy on your staff. No, that one's Frank. Frank chose Oh, Sand- that's Frank? Sandtrout shows up before the encyclopedia is written. But what about this hymn? Where does this hymn come from? No, I'll, I'll give you. The hymn is in the encyclopedia. Right. But Sandtrout is in Children of Dune. The Fremen call them Sandtrout and yeah. say the children play with no, them. No, but we were just talking about how it's weird that like it's an ancient thing, so it wouldn't have anything to do. But no, but I'm telling you, even in that, like... It's the Fremen are the only ones who know about this creature. Right. So why do they call it a trout? Wouldn't it have been Pardot is what you just suggested? Potentially, but like they are like an ancient thing. Uh, like that creature's been around forever. It's always been called they, the sand I'm trout. I'm sorry. Uh, I guess the thing is like, yeah, they refer to the Fremen children have always played with the sand trout. Okay. So I think we've always been calling it sand trout in a way. I don't, I don't know if that's what that means or not. What do you mean? What? I, I don't think that that sentence qualifies it. Like that's how, what they've always been called. I think it's just the children have always played with that thing. Uh, I even have to double text to check the text in Children of Doom. My insinuation, though, is it was the Fremen word. I think I think what you found is like a an inc- uh, or what is it a little bit of that's a, a Shadam birthday right there. Yeah, that's what I, that I think is. You found, I want to say I think you found an error. Okay, hundred percent. I think you did. Uh, regardless of when this encyclopedia bit comes, I All think right. you're on if, to something. If, if someone does know the origin of that, email uh, email Derek. Just the preface, like, Derek eyes only or something like that. <laughs> like, let him know. Worms! <laughs> Worms! But no, yeah, I think it's a weird oversight on Frank's part That's for wild. using trout yeah. after being so specific on beaches and, and like, seaweed. Yeah, and I do appreciate yeah. the, like, you know, treating the, the worms as, like, the fish in the ocean of yep. sand, so to speak. But it's odd that the Fremen would use that term. Or, like, especially yeah, when yeah, they yeah. don't know the other terms. No, even giving them, like, that, they're like, uh, you know what? I actually am going to push back a little bit on this. Okay. I think we're only saying with the beaches and stuff, he's only talking about that one girl that he had to in explain. his dream. Yeah, in his dream. So maybe it's, maybe it's just her. <laughs> maybe she's the dum dum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is a, that's a possibility. Um, I was gonna say maybe it's just these certain words that are geographical that don't have to do with their day to day lives. They don't carry with themselves anymore. But because that creature has been here since the beginning. Mm-hmm. When they got to the planet, they called it sand trout, and it stuck since then. Mm. Like okay, the so Zensuni name. The Zensuni coming from multiple worlds. Okay, yeah, that would be my loophole. That okay, I will give you that. You give that, me that I would actually buy into. And then because it's always there, that's just what it's called. That's the like one. They, don't, they have no understanding concept of, of what a trout is. Exactly. Yeah. Outside of that's what we've always called it. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. Cool. I, like I will uh, agree to that. All right. What else you got? As weird as it sounds, do the worms have any sort of like excrement? Ooh. That you would find in the desert? Um, uh, I don't think so, because like they convert most stuff into a gas. So I think... And they sort of just burn through it like a... Exactly. Oh, man. So I guess there must be some sort of like carbon left behind, but it's not anything ever mentioned in the book or in a manner. But there's got to be some sort of uh, chemical residue is left 
by this interchange, right? I just want like a bright Xeon, like neon sign that says live worms here. But maybe we can presume any waste they do have is always like, I guess I don't ever remember seeing a worm tail. Yeah. Like I just guess it's all underneath the surface in some Right. So, oh, so even when they come up and like are pooped out from traveling from uh, well, their tail probably is up. I'm just saying, I don't remember them describing them though. Of just being like going to the back and be like, tail, look at that tail. (laughs) Is there fire coming over its ass? All right. It's a good worm then. (laughs) Tail lights out. Yeah. <laughs> Pull that worm over. <laughs> Another worm rides up. Oh, do you think, uh, do you think, are there ever worm races? Oh. I don't think the Fremen would treat the worm like that in a recreational yeah, way. Because, I mean, it is God, too. Right. Like, you don't just play around with God. But if Ibrahim was on Arrakis, do you think you would try and race worms? Yeah. Yeah. I bet you couldn't. I bet. Ooh. Oh, shit. There are worm races. What? There's going to be a worm race. We'll get to it. <laughs> shit. I was like, yeah, multiple worms in territories where they fight. Wait, I know a specific example. <laughs> what? We'll get there. That's next, amazing. Next question. <laughs> oh, man. Is there ever an example? Uh, or I, I guess I won't ask that because then. That's uh, fair. Yeah. But uh, that sounds like a spoiler. It would, it would possibly be. But, uh, oh, man. What are you thinking? Oh, God, I don't even know. Oh, okay. Ooh. So if the sand. Tra- oh, I guess I don't know how the big worms form over thousands of years into or how the sand trout would turn into a big worm yeah and like i said i'm gonna put a black that's right, gonna right, be right. a little so, censored out hmm no i don't think the fremen would do that so that doesn't work all right okay well, why don't why don't we leave it there mike i was I, gonna ask if the fremen would ever keep like a little maker as a pet but it would take so much water i think that the fremen just wouldn't do that on principle mm. i think that yeah, would like, defeat the whole purpose of what the fremen are trying like to collecting do. water yeah 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 because they like the little makers get rid of water yeah like, exactly that's what they do. interesting <gasps> whoa oh oh derek yeah. Up, up, uh, what Yui was talking about and drilling for water. So it's the little makers. Oh, oh, yeah. When you drill down, you get a little bit of water, but then it stops. So they're drilling into the little makers, and that's where the water's coming from. Yes. And freeing it up. Or they are tapping into like a water table. And then the little makers like, are just like, oh, look at that. Right, right. And then show, you know, maybe bring it into sand if for some reason it's not in sand. And the little makers are like, we'll take that. Oh, my God. And that clearly means they're very quick. That's so interesting. It's pretty awesome. It reminds me of a. Uh, have you ever seen a clam eat salt? It sounds weird. No. So if you know where a clam is under the sand, yeah. If you say like you know like the you can usually tell by little air holes, little bubbles. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean this is just a coastal thing. I think if you're uh, used to checking out the beaches and you're like, oh, that's where a clam is. Oh yeah. If you look down on you the mud flats, up, they're when big. The tide goes up. Yeah, yeah they're big things. Little bubbles. But if you, if you pour some, uh, just even regular table salt works. Little uh, little clam tongue comes out. It will actually try and eat the salt because it's attracted to the sodium. Ah, that's cool. Yeah. That's what I imagine a little maker being like. It's very similar. Yes. I'll, uh, I'll try and find a video for you. But they, they say it's sort of like this little leathery pad that comes up. Um, I think it's like a few inches maybe. And uh, okay. Because like it'll crawl on your skin and it goes uh, for your perspiration. Oh. The sand trout, right? Because a little water on your skin. It can sense. That's interesting. Yeah, that's really cool. That's a good catch for it. Um, I think uh, if that can bring us to an end, Mike, I'm gonna put a hard stop. Yeah, that some, sounds good. Theory, and I think there's uh three other things maybe you could inform me on. <gasps> Would they happen to be? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to steal your thunder, Mike, but it's Gertie, Gertie, Gertie. I love it. Oh, Derek, I got it, some Gurney facts for you today. Feel good. Feel good. Well, actually, <laughs> I don't know how much time we have for Gurney facts, but. Every week, I bring you three different gurneys and one quote. Derek, I need your help to figure out which gurney said it best. 
It's we always going to be my favorite. We got some good gurneys this week. Okay. Um, Gurney Halleck, Troubadour Warrior, formerly of the Atreides, now mm-hmm. of the Smugglers. God bless him. James Gurney, famed author and artist of Dinotopia. I started watching some tutorials by James Gurney. Oh, some painting? Yeah. And you know what? He's a great YouTube personality as well. Man, is there like, did he ever get to do a crossover with Bob Ross? No, but I would watch it. Like, he's, like, got some I good would, I would love for the two of them to be like, we're going to put a pretty really little cool and stuff. Like, and I'm going to put a dinosaur. But you know what? He did, uh, he has a whole thing on three-color painting, like I told you before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, it's not always just primary colors, though. But, like, yeah, blue, red, and yellow are big things. But he takes oil ones, and then he also does watercolor ones. So, like, That's blending cool. them is, like, really tricky. But he also has, let's use secondary colors as primary colors. We'll use these three instead. Oh, you, you got cool you. cool things. But... He made a really interesting point that I liked. The types of paints he uses, they may um, they may be primary colors, but what really brings it together is that they all have ferrous components to them, so they all have iron in them. Oh, okay. Which I think what, was really cool. What's the purpose of that? It just, it's just uh, something, they all use the same mineral, mm-hmm. so like in a way, their colors all have sort of the same base ingredient, so they blend together really well. Okay, okay. It's more of a just like a subtlety, I think. Interesting. But just cool little things like that, and yeah, hey, yeah, I'm not really the greatest neat. artist in the world. I am could be completely wrong, but James Gurney said it, so I believe it. <laughs> if a Gurney said it, it's fact. <laughs> <laughs> it goes down as law. And of course, we've got Ivor Gurney and yes. English poet and uh, English war poet and composer. Mm-hmm. And I already gave you like my big spiel on Ivor Gurney. We talked about him, I think, last week or the week before. We went a little bit into Ivor. Uh, what respect? You're just sort of like going into the fact that he was a war poet and sort of. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We touched was, on the war yeah. poet part. Yes, yes. That was new because we just knew about the France aspect. Yeah. Before. Yeah. Super cool. So, yeah, just real, pretty cool stuff. Pretty I love cool my stuff. gurneys. So, I got a quote for you. Okay. Uh, this is a cool one. I had to do some. A uh, gurney quote. Yeah, a little digging for this one. All right. I I will suss it out as best as I am able. I'm the well-trained fruit tree, full of well-trained feelings and abilities and all of them grafted onto me, all bearing for someone else to pick. Oh, wait. That sounds super familiar. (laughs) Like, I feel like we've already read that, but to me that screams through fear for some reason. Uh, oh, like there stand I. With yeah, the well, did he always training ref- dummy? Yeah, um, I'm going Gurney Halleck because mm-hmm. I this just just like ringing some memory in me that I've read this in. Can I get it one more time though? Yeah, yeah. I'm the well-trained fruit tree, full of well-trained feelings and abilities, and all of them grafted onto me, all bearing for someone else to pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I that is like clearly subservient. Mm. Uh, as like someone who is like being used as a tool, but they're not like objecting to it. They're just sort of commenting on this predicament and like, this is what brought me to where I am now. Uh. And now I, and I feel like it's almost lamenting that there's no one left to pick the fruit. Um, Oh, oh, poor Gurney. If you apply that to Gurney. Yeah. Um, so (laughs) looking at the other ones though, like, yeah, I mean, I don't get a James. It's been a while since we've had a good James Gurney quote since the first one. Actually, you're going to need to Um, read some, Dinotopia at some point, I think. <laughs> some Dinotopia? I would look at the pictures. Because you're uh, you're you're always making assumptions based off of uh I think a dinosaur probably said that. That's <laughs> not really what the book's about though. <laughs> but that's led me to victory, Mike. So. It's also led you to failure. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that one. <laughs> Selective memory here. Alright, sure, sure, sure. Um and yeah. the- then I get no feeling. You know what? It doesn't have the complexity of the Ivor Gurneys that I've had some of. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Though the one you pulled me from, I think the was it Brian Herbert's book that Gurney the Sea? Oh one. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. threw me for a loop. That one was really tough. But I want to lock in at Gurney Halleck, troubadour warrior, right. minstrel warrior, war master of the Atreides, 
teacher of Duncan, Idaho. And well-trained fruit tree. And well-trained fruit tree. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You got it. So, yeah, you're right. It is what quote we've already listened to before. I was wondering if it I was, could stump you. Oh, okay. So it so was in, right before it says, uh, prepare yourself, young lad. And she, Paul turns on his shield. No shit. And it was that, that thought far that he back. Has. Yeah. And it's right. It's in the training room. And it's right before the thought of him thinking of his sister. Okay. Before he thinks. Uh, yeah. Anne? We had, yes. a, we had a name for her. Yeah. Yeah. I have the entire context of it right here, I think. And then he cannot remember if he, she liked uh, tulips or daisies. Oh, so sad. So sad. Halleck watched as he manipulated the controls. His mind seemed to be in two places, one alert to the needs of the training fight and the other wandering in fly buzz. I'm the well-trained fruit tree, he thought, full of well-trained feelings and abilities, and all of them grafted onto me, all bearing for someone else to pick. For some reason, he recalled his younger sister, his elfin face, her elfin face so clear in his mind. It goes that's, on. That's really yeah. good. Yeah, and so, so that is after him and Paul fight. Paul's fighting the machine at that point, and Gurney goes to the controls. Mm-hmm. And that's where he gets to have that moment kind of to himself. Yeah. Watching Paul do this, and I feel like he's just thinking of, like, this is what my training's yeah. all for. It's for this boy. I thought I'd take. get you because it wasn't an actual quote he said. It was more of an internal thought. Okay, okay. That's but it was try. Gurney. Uh, yeah, and it just tickled that. I couldn't have told you what chapter that was from, though. I would have... Uh, reach back to the Thopter ride mm-hmm. and maybe think it was somewhere in there. But um, that is so fitting yeah. and really great that that's so early on All the, the way story. back. Because yeah. we already had one that we completely skipped over from chapter three. <laughs> yep, so we had to touch back to it. But yeah, I uh, I thought that would be a good throwback. That is a cool one. Um, bonus gurney time, Derek. Oh. Not this week. Oh, we, uh, today went a little longer than I thought. Hey. Think, even if I do some editing and cutting, I think uh, I think it's going to be pushing it. So I'll save my bonus gurney for another time. But I'll give you a teaser. We're oh. taken to the skies with this gurney. Oh, that I appreciate. Yeah. Oh, to who I want to know a little, a little <laughs> bit more, a little bit more. Just in what respect? What are we doing? What are we doing in the air? Uh, are, we, uh, are we hot ballooning? Uh, 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 I'm not going to tell you. Are we jetting? I'm not going to tell you. Okay. Okay. I tried. <laughs> I tried. I really. After goddamn. Psychic Gurney, mm-hmm. who gets lied to and conned. I was really invested in that story. I felt I was running aside. I called who was who at the end yeah, of it. Yeah, yep. oh, and yep. I am I'm on Edmund Gurney. I'm going to solve that mystery. <laughs> Edmund Gurney will rest in peace one day, and it will be because of me. Uh, you're going to need uh, myself and Detective Halleck on your case Detective as well. <laughs> and we're not cheap. <laughs> we're not cheap. <laughs> well, if you're going to skip a uh, bonus Gurney, Mike, I can tell you. Oh, whoa. Oh, 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 whoa. Oh, oh. I, I Giovanni's gonna take some time. I seriously, I don't leave the windows open. Where is he coming from? <laughs> oh, that's, that's a mystery for another day. We're gonna solve that when we solve worms thoroughly. Oh, I think. Um, where this bat goes when I release him is not my job. My job is to give him a little white wine right now. I'm okay, like, sip that up, buddy, and put a little ED tube to his ear. And uh, ooh, get it out. Okay, okay. All right, Mike. I got two things. Okay, one me. of them. Uh, Oh, no, he's actually got a little package. We got a little paper here. We got a little comic. Uh, what? Mark has sent us in our Spice Comic oh. issue number three. I need to post these. Yeah, you, <laughs> that would be helpful. Mark <laughs> might appreciate that. Uh, this is our New Jersey-based show illustrator, officially. Check this out. I'll move this into like the Discord. Copy oh, yeah, it okay, off of uh, him yeah, for yeah. you. And uh, so this is one of, like Mark took. Uh, this is called Litany. And this okay. goes into... Um, Starts off with us starting the pod, and we take it, and it becomes. Uh, we'll post it on Instagram for everybody to read. But I just want to focus in of uh, when you come over and bring it. I end up saying like, "I must not cheers." And he's taken the litany against fear, and he's morphed it into like <laughs> into like a drinking thing. Yeah. So the final frame here after this is the wine bottle, and it goes, "When the cheers are gone, 
no wine will remain. <laughs> <laughs> and then he included a, a shout out grapes. Shout out grapes. A little, I love a it. little uh, well dipper grapes. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. <laughs> I love yeah. Cheers is the mind killer. No wine. Why are you afraid of white wine? I got my reasons. Oh. So that's fantastic. Mark, thank you. Because you got it 30 minutes ago in the tour. <laughs> Fuck you, Mark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He totally is parodying your awful rendition of uh, when Sarah sent us the instruction for how to cheese it. Uh, and it's you in that comic with a roll of bouncy paper towels and a wine bottle. I don't want to talk about and it It's anymore. very accurate to what on. I saw. That is not at all what Sarah Damn recommended it. to us. It is now uh, canonized, oh, Mike. Oh, God, what have I become? <laughs> a punchline. Apparently. Much, much like myself. So I got a, I got one more in Giovanni. All right, sure, sure, sure. Everybody, let me... Oh, cool. So this one, uh, TS on Instagram sent us a message. Oh. And basically, he just wanted to let us know he's loving the show. He's already uh, read ahead from where we are, which is easy to do. We go pretty slow. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, Derek. I know it. Uh, you guys, you don't got to wait up for us, but enjoy watching Mike suffer. And oh. very slowly <laughs> You crawl. can take anything away from the show. You're like moving as fast as Kynes on this dune top. Let's <laughs> get to the end of this book. Uh, this is his first time reading the book, though, and he's really appreciated our deep dives. And when he says questions, I'm assuming he means your questions, which is like the unique perspective you get to offer here, which I don't think many other podcasts guests have like oh one person reading blind like you're going into this not knowing anything about dune mm-hmm. and i think it really helps our dynamic a lot of just what we're trying to give to people of mm-hmm. like cool we're trying Wait. to answer questions we're trying not to spoil things but like walk this middle ground so that anyone who's read the book before too can also get something out of our show gotcha what were you thinking so you're usul and i'm the dum-dum Oh, I don't really like, I don't like putting this in a relationship. I don't, I don't feel like we're going to go there. Uh, I was like, I'm Stilgar, you're Paul. Like, um, I, don't, I don't know what you want to be, but either way, maybe I'm the worm and you're the little maker. Uh, you're okay. just lost, lost in the sand, gathering water. You don't really know why you're doing anything. I'm just here. <laughs> you're just here. Um, but then he has a great question, Mike, of are we going to do the whole series? Uh, we are going to do the Frank Herbert series. Oh, shit. We're I, locked into God Emperor. Ah, I thought that was where you are going to go yeah. in, but you clearly... But I think... A... I mean, if we're going to do four of them, we might as well do all six of them, right? Kind of. Like, I mean... why stop there at that point? <laughs> we're, geez, Unless be... they're bad. Are they bad? No, 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 no. Then let's finish them. No, they're let's good. Let's do the, the six. I'll, I'll get, just give you. They're weird. <laughs> okay. But, like, in the way of, like, in, like, the weirding way. Like, they're just... I mean, if TS wants questions, I'll have questions. <laughs> you, you will definitely have questions when All right, we yeah, finally get there. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, because uh, I, think, I think we've... Uh, you sold me on the book. I think I'm pretty invested. I, I love the fact... I mean, even locking this into God Emperor, guys, we're going to be here for four years. So, um, get <laughs> comfortable. You're going to be able to finish a degree in this time. Some people will graduate high school. <laughs> like, some weird think, stuff's going to happen by the time... we're going to finish this book in March. Something. It's, like, four... Four yeah, and a half months from now. If my projections are correct. And I think we've been pretty consistent on a weekly basis. So yeah, I would, dude, I would assume. Crushing it. Yeah, it props, pretty I'm going to say props to you, Mike, on that. <laughs> you do you do our editing. Well, so like, you. keeping up with that. I don't sleep anymore. <laughs> hey, oh, Jesus. That sleeps a lot. <laughs> no, no. A lot of your questions, anyway. Have I told you what we can make with spice dick? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, several times. <laughs> several times, Papa. <laughs> oh, boy. But thank you, TS. I appreciate that. And yes, we will continue on with the, I think, the entire Frank Herbert series. Oh, I hope so. Uh, it'll once be, we, once it'll we get be to Brian, it's anyone's ball game. but I, you know. Yeah, we might be insane by that point. <laughs> um, we might might be gone. That's so true. Anything else from Giovanni? Ah, uh, you, you got any more? But no, no. Okay, you can have some more wine if you're really gonna push. <laughs> no, he's good. He's yeah. got a little glass with him. I love it. <laughs> yeah, he comes with his own. <laughs> Throw him on it. Whoa!
Yeah. Okay. All okay. right. Yeah, don't don't look. Uh-huh. <laughs> Always flies crooked <laughs> when you watch him, all right? <laughs> it's a quantum bat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you observe the experiment, you change it. I swear he flies straight if we all close our eyes and don't look. Oh, my word. Oh, but I think that finally does it, Mike. That's going to do it for this week? Yeah. Do you have a question for us? <laughs> do you guys uh, know a wine you can afford? Uh, let us know. We're at Spice World Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and you can always reach us at SpiceWorldPod at gmail.com. And, of course, if that wasn't enough, there's our website at SpiceWorldPod.com. And if you're looking for another way to support the show, you can always come join us at our little sketch over at Patreon.com slash SpiceWorldPod. Become a Spice Worlder. Become a Spice Worlder. And that's where you can find our exclusive bonus episodes between two dunes, where we currently have Ampoleros. And I think, oh, by this time that this is released, we're going to have the Highliner, the Highliner episode on the Spacing Guild Highliners. And I'm really looking into diving into that That's going to be Mike. exciting. It's going to be a fun episode. So but, if you guys are interested in that, head over there, sign up, support the show in any manner. I got to know, Derek. You got a oh, you got a what? Well, I got to know what's my little it's my little snippet. Oh, I'm sorry. I, when you teaser. said that, I thought like somebody just sent you like a hard no on Patreon. <laughs> I'm just like, "What kind of a you got to know?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, like this is a weird time to break it. Maybe we don't air the nose, Mike. <laughs> but you want to know what your teaser is. I want to know. I got a good teaser for you. <laughs> All right. You ready? I got to go into my yeah. serious reading yeah, voice, yeah. Mike. <clears throat> Jessica's motion started as a slumping, deceptive feint to the ground. It was the obvious thing for a weak outworlder to do, and the obvious slows an opponent's reactions. It takes an instant to interpret a known thing when that thing is exposed as something unknown. She shifted as she saw his right shoulder drop to bring a weapon within the folds of his robe to bear on her new position. A turn, a slash of her arm, a whirling of mingled robes, and she was against the rocks with the man helpless in front of her. That's all I got. Wait, what? So wait, one more time, one more time. Okay, yeah. yeah. Jessica's motion started as a slumping, deceptive feint to the ground. It was the obvious thing for a weak outworlder to do, as the obvious slows an opponent's reactions. It takes an instant to interpret a known thing when that thing is exposed as something unknown. She shifted as she saw his right shoulder drop to bring a weapon within the folds of his robes to bear on her new position. A turn, a slash of her arm, a whirling of mingled robes, and she was against the rock with the man helpless in front of her. Ooh. This is Jessica. Lady Jessica. Pretending to faint. Yeah. And then just grabbing this person. At her best. Helpless in front of her. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, we were just talking before of, like, Paul is safe. Jessica's for not. I think she's gonna be okay. Jessica's fine. <laughs> yeah, I think she's gonna make it out all right. I and honestly, I didn't have any worries about Jessica. It's Lady Jessica. True, true, but it's also Fremen. So, do you think Jessica can go toe to toe with a band of Sadokar? If she can pick her baby's gender just by thinking it, then yeah, <laughs> she can go toe to toe with a goddamn Sadokar. Touche, touche. Power of a yeah. woman. <laughs> you kidding me? Infinite. But, yeah, I mean, I guess it doesn't really leave us on a cliffhanger, Mike. You seem fully confident with Jessica. <laughs> yeah, Lady Jessica's kicking some ass. We're, but here's the thing. Yeah. Is it Stilgar or is it the other Fremen? The other voice? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Or, I mean, anyone else is there. Because I would love it to be Stilgar and just be like, bitch. <laughs> what, like, on the ground? <laughs> yeah, because Stilgar was so badass when he first saw him. And Lady Jessica's just fucking putting him in his like, place. Wait, the inflection on the bitch. What is, you may, rose your arms like it was taunting. Is it... Isn't it more supplicative? I think I'm just drunk. Okay. <laughs> that looks like it's... Con- I think I've been worked up today, and I, I haven't slept a lot. <laughs> Slapped you around a little bit. 
But yeah, either way, we're going to check in on Jessica Paul next week. Oh. And I think until then, Mike, the, the spice, spice must flow. Can we refuel? A little water, a little wine. Oh. <laughs> you son of a bitch! Here, take some more. No, no, that's fine. <laughs> you just got my expectations up. <laughs> well ran dry. <laughs> um, that's what happens when you drill in. There's never only a trickle, Derek. <laughs>